Okay, welcome everyone to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined this week as always by my co-host Brian Wells, along with a special guest host, my very good friend Julia Kusan, to help me recap the latest season of Bachelor in Paradise that just wrapped up. We'll get to that one at the end of the episode. Very fun segment with her. But before that, Brian and I will be talking sports. We'll react to the action from NFL Week 5. We'll start off by talking about John Gruden before getting into the Patriots and the Steelers and some of the other more notable games from this weekend. From there, we'll talk about the Red Sox and the MLB playoffs as Boston defeated the Tampa Bay Rays in four games to advance to the ALCS. We'll give our thoughts on the Red Sox success to start the playoffs so far, as well as talk about some of the other series before concluding the sports section of the episode with our predictions for the 2021-22 NHL season. We give our picks for playoff finalists as well as our Stanley Cup champion. So a lot to get to in this episode. So with that, let's get started. Brian, it's kind of like a throwback feel to uh, when we were first starting out. We had been on the podcast. We had to, he was living in Oklahoma, so we had to operate on his central time. Um, you know, we're getting a late start tonight. So I just kind of want to clarify that. We, uh, we're recording on Tuesday night, but this episode likely won't be released until Thursday when you'll see it. Um, partially because, you know, life got in the way this week. We couldn't record last week. He's got back from Vegas and I don't know about you, but I was not ready to record as soon as oh, I got God, back. Oh God, no, no chance. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I was also feeling a, a little under the weather. I don't know. One of those famous Vegas colds, but I, I mean, uh, I, I mean, I felt fine. I just didn't want to do one right yeah. after getting back. And yeah, I mean, like, I, been... I took a red eye. I got in at 5 a.m. on Tuesday morning. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't ready for that normal schedule. So, yeah, that's that's part of it, though. Um, you know, life gets in the way. And also, uh, you know, if you saw it in the description, you you might only be here for this. But uh, our good friend Julia Kusan is helping me recap the latest season of Bachelor in Paradise that just wrapped up. So you can fast forward to the end of the episode. If you look in the description, I have timestamps for everything. You know, that goes for every episode, anything that you want to listen to. If you only care about some sports, only want to listen to the top five or whatever, um, you jump right ahead to the end. And if you even listen on Spotify, you can, there's like a link and it'll take you right to it. So just getting out of the way now. Definitely because, great clarification from you. Yes, of course, because uh, we're going to start off talking sports. You know, Brian, I don't think you watched any of Bachelor in Paradise. I did not, <laughs> even though I said I would. I ended up not doing it. Because... No, that's, that's understandable. So, uh, you know, just Julie and I talk about that together. But we'll uh, we'll talk some sports and, you know, we'll start off with football like we normally do this time of year. And, you know, speaking of Vegas, 10 years 100 million dollars 
one super resignation. Yeah, not not one Super Bowl, not one playoff appearance, one very sad resignation. Yeah, yeah, not not the uh end of the John Gruden tenure that many were expecting. Uh they investigating the Washington football team and uh, a lot of emails were leaked throughout the weekend. Uh, started with some racial tropes about Demory Smith, escalated into homophobic slurs about Michael Sam, Michael Sam, Roger Goodell. You know, there a uh, lot, a lot of bad stuff in there. Bad comments about um, you know women in the league. So, not shocking that John Gruden <laughs> did not survive that New York Times article. I if anything I was surprised that he resigned before he was straight up fired because I assume they would have gotten I would imagine he would have been fired anyway. either way. Yeah, even if, with, even if he didn't resign, I'd imagine he would they would have fired him. Yeah, and there's there was nothing that 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 could have happened with that. And there there's so many people that are upset about this and like I I I don't know. I, I think it's kind of frustrating. Like the the people are, are kind of more upset about, oh, it's like leaked and oh, this stuff from like 10 years ago. Like th- these are like horrible things. And I mean, when you look at it, the, he had to go for two reasons. Reason number one, um, I mean, he called out basically every single minority out there. Like 70% of the population is can be offended by things that he said. Like you're, you're he, alienating he went with the your trifecta. It's not, not just... <laughs> minorities and the lgbtq community he yeah everybody just he 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 went out yeah he went out after everybody (laughs) yeah everybody over uh you know the course of almost a decade there so yeah a lot of people uh, upset and have very much reasons to be upset and you know arguably more importantly you know not not really more importantly but you know from the football perspective he just hasn't been a great coach the past few years 22 and 31 with the Raiders and you have that huge contract six years 60 plus million still left like the the Raiders saw this as an opportunity to to get out of that and move on and I I, it, it makes perfect sense that Gruden's gone now yeah that's what I thought he would eventually be fired from or resigned from just the fact that his team just sucked uh, for the first several years of his tenure, but and then all of a sudden they're actually looking like a half decent football team, and then the one year that they looked half decent, this happens. Yeah, I mean we we said coming into the season that he was on the hot seat, even with his big contract. You know, if they had an opportunity to get out of it, not owe him all that money. And yeah, they did. They did win a few games early, a couple in overtime. Um, you know, it was some exciting starts. So they had just lost two in a row. They lost to the Bears Sunday. I don't know how much of that loss had to do with, uh, you know, the the stuff with Gruden because he did have stuff come out before. So you know, players and, and were they played to make the Bears comments. at home and they didn't look good. No, they didn't look good at all. So yeah, I mean, from from just a pure coaching perspective, I I I don't think that there's a a whole lot you can do to like you know justify Gruden and his tenure and you know letting him survive something like this because you know when it comes down to it, he's not like as great of a coach as some people want to believe. Even go back to his Bucks days, and I I think it's kind of a silly thing to say he won with someone else's team because Dungy couldn't win with that team, Gruden did. But after that, they two playoff they, appearances two, uh, two, in six seasons didn't yeah. win a game. Two playoff appearances. Last season, they started nine and three and missed the playoffs. Collapsed yeah. down the stretch. So, yeah, you basically just said everything that I was just about to say. That they didn't even look that great after their one Super Bowl win with the Bucks. And yeah, seven years later or so, whatever how many years later it was, 
before he came back into coaching with the Raiders, they didn't look good at all for their first few years, and then they finally looked decent for this start of the season, but now it it's probably going to head in the wrong direction. Well, I mean, even if you look at the past two years, they were above 500 in November, and then they were horrible down the stretch, and you know they finished seven to nine and eight and eight. So I, I think that they were on track for a very similar showing this season, just given that track record they've had. So yeah, Gruden's out. Um, so and, take take out the football stuff. Yep. Uh, just focus on the uh, like w- what has transpired this past weekend. It, I mean, okay, uh, I'm wondering about the timing of all this because th- all these emails were from. 2011 to 2018 is that correct yeah. this is before he became the Raiders head coach and there are there are over hundreds of thousands of emails that the NFL is looking into between 650,000 650,000 yeah and so so I'm wondering about the timing but I'm also wondering about is Gruden the only guy that is going to get heat for this I, I can't That's, imagine that yeah that isn't the I'd imagine that Someone or multiple people within the Washington football team's organization or other people, I'd imagine that there were other nasty, bad things that were also said by others besides Gruden. So I don't think this is over is what is what my See, thought process is. That, that's what I'm wondering. And that's kind of where you get some of like the conspiracies that have been going around because he was having emails with Bruce Allen, who was former Raiders executive when Gruden was there the first time around he'd been with Washington since the beginning of the decade um, and there were also just like CEOs like the Hooter CEO the CEO of PDQ I'm sure there were other football people I don't know how many of them are still associated with the Washington football team but uh, one thing that Mike Florio had pointed out I'll give him credit for this so the the emails that were released stopped in 2018 when Gruden became head coach of the Raiders Bruce Allen wasn't fired by Washington until two years later. So January 2018 to December 2019. I mean, I don't think that just because Gruden switched from being a broadcaster for ESPN to head coach of the Raiders, he just all of a sudden stopped emailing Bruce Allen. So I do wonder, you know, one thing he pointed out, maybe there's some stuff he said as head coach of the Raiders, maybe some stuff about owner Mark Davis that Davis did not want to get out because I mean, it seemed like the NFL was just going to continue to leak emails until Gruden was gone. Now, I guess there's a question of, you know, why was Gruden given this treatment? And why has nobody else to this point? Is someone else going to? Is Dan Snyder going to continue to get off? Because 650,000 emails, there's no way that the only stuff that had bad things just happened to involve John Gruden. Dan Snyder, for sure, I'd imagine. I mean, Dan Snyder is just a bad person in general. I mean, I, I don't want to defend John Gruden for the things that he said uh, in those emails. I, I like John Gruden, obviously, more as a broadcaster. And that's kind of what I was hoping for, was that he would get fired for his bad coaching and, and then just the lack the of success with the Raiders and then just go back to Monday Night Football. But that's never that's not going to happen. No, that's, there's no way. Yeah. And so I don't want to defend John Gruden for the things he says, but I, I feel like... It, There'd be a lot of canceled people in this world if all of our emails and texts got out there in public uh, and, and got investigated. I don't know. I just, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there'd be a lot of people in the NFL who 
would be in bad shape. And it, I, I, I think it's ridiculous though that he was doing this in like work emails. And like oh, I, right. I get he was maybe using his personal email, but he's he's emailing Bruce Allen and others like you know at redskins.com emails. Right. So that that's the part that I I don't know that there are too many people who you know in the office are just casually throwing that around, thinking that it's an okay idea. Um, but yeah, I mean the I I kind of get that point, but I think that it, it's still. It's like, still bad that he put still it through not email. Okay. Like it's yeah, I mean it's still like a stupid thing. Like I don't know why like he would think that that would never come back to get him. Um and then it, it's it's not even like this was like such a long time ago. I mean it was 2011. <laughs> like you know, 10 years ago, but okay, John when he's, Gruden was when like he's 50. 40 whatever years old. Yeah. So um yeah, not a great look and I I am curious if there is more to it or if everything else is going to get swept on the rug. All right, John Gruden, you're the scapegoat, you're gone and uh you know Dan Snyder and the rest of that organization is going to continue to to walk free here. I just find it really hard to believe that it's just Gruden. Oh, for sure. So we'll see if there's more to update um but for now let's talk about the actual football on the field from this weekend. And let's start with our teams, the Patriots and the Steelers. Both came into the week one and three, both really needing victories, both seemingly having good chances with your Patriots playing the Texans and my Steelers playing a home game against the Broncos. Uh, scary for two different reasons for us, but they both came out with wins. So I guess, you know, we'll start with your Patriots. Uh, how are you feeling following the 25 to 22 victory in Houston? Do you remember last year when the Patriots were playing the Jets on the road on, I think it was Monday Night Football? Yep. And they were losing in that game, but they came back and they won. Mm -hmm. That was the moment I said to myself, it's over. (laughs) Where Even though (laughs) they won that game, they were losing to the effing Jets, a team that that did not have a single win at the time and ended up with the second overall pick. That was the moment for myself where I declared it over. If this if this game were in the middle part of the season, like week 10 or week 11, I would declare it over, but because it's only week 5, I'm not, but even in a win, I'm I'm not I'm not impressed. The the Patriots, I think I think they I think they stink. <laughs> I think they're even <laughs> The fact I think I think I told you this, I don't know if it was on air or in person in Vegas, but I remember telling you that I'm probably too contrarian when it comes to the Patriots. I just never want to be a homer. But even I thought this season they could be a at best ten and seven. I, that's realistic. I thought yeah. that was realistic uh-huh. just given how last year went, and then they improved. Brought in a lot of new talent. Yeah, brought in some new players, especially on offense, and got a first round pick at quarterback, and added Matt Judon on defense, and so. There, there were things to like about the Patriots, about them being in the playoff on, and I guess they technically can still be that, still be in the playoff on with a two and three record. But their two wins are against the Jets and the Texans, two of the worst teams in the league. And I don't know, I don't, I don't love it, especially defensively. They just, they're, they gave up over three hundred passing yards to Davis Mills. Davis fills the stat sheet. Yeah, <laughs> Davis he's, kills. He's sucked. This season, yeah, this and, and they're giving up they're giving up three hundred yards, three hundred plus yards, and three touchdowns to him, and giving up a hundred plus receiving yards to someone named Chris Moore, who I have never heard of he until got 
sent back to the practice squad after the game. Oh, that that makes me feel so much better. (laughs) And 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 then I'll. And then, of course, trading Gilmore was not great news. And I wanted, yeah, true. I wanted them to trade trade him last year so they can get the most out of him, or get the most for him. But they, it was a really mismanaged asset by just straight up just getting rid of him for a sixth round pick. And I, I know Stephon Gilmore is not the same player that he was two years ago, but I'd imagine he's still pretty a pretty good corner, and I'd imagine he. would He'd be the best corner on the Patriots still, even with even with J.C. Jackson's success. I still think Gilmore is someone that can help uh, a football team, including the Panthers who just lost J.C. Horn. So uh, this a, just a, a brutal mismanagement of another asset that Bill Belichick has uh, badly handled. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's shocking how that Gilmore situation played out, just given the things that were being talked about when the trade rumors were circling a year ago this time, that you know he, they were ready to straight up release him before Carolina's like, all right, we'll give you a six-round pick for him. Um, yeah, I guess just focusing on this Texans game, though, I think... I think it's easy to look at the final score. It's easy to look and see, you know, how Davis Mills played against this defense and, you know, some of the the bad moments and looking at some of the big plays, like you had the Mac Jones interception to start the second half and then they ran that flea flicker for a touchdown um, and, you know, come away with negative feelings about it. But I do think there's reasons to have positives because it was 22 to 9. It looked like the game could have been over and Mac Jones had the poise to overcome you know that kind of slower start. Not that he was playing horrible in the first half. He he's had, he's had better special. games. He looked he looked good versus the Bucks. He looked and great in, in against this game, the Bucks. He yeah. was. There were good and bad moments. In this yes, game. but there were more good moments down the stretch than bad ones. That's ultimately why the Patriots won. Is that he he didn't kind of crumble under the pressure. He was able to lead the team to a comeback. So I think that that is a positive you can take away now. How much of that a positive is for the 2021 season versus beyond? I don't know. Yeah, he's um, a rookie. He's five games into yeah. his career. Uh, yeah, and, and again, it's against def- a Texans team that's not very good, but it's still, it's the kind of game that you want to win, and even when it looked like, oh, this well, is going to be a devastating season-ending loss. Want to win, have to have win. Have to win, yeah. yeah. He ended up pulling it out, so I think that there's a lot of positives to take away from that. Um, I'm definitely more... I've I said this numerous times already, but I, I'm definitely... I definitely have a better positive outlook on Mac Jones with the Patriots than I did before, and I like I've liked what I've seen from him overall. I mean, it's not, it certainly hasn't been perfect, especially the Saints game. He he definitely did not have his best game, but I feel like he's one of the positives uh, of this year, this year so far, for sure. And I I think that. Coming into the season, I I thought Cam Newton gave the Patriots a better chance of making the playoffs than Mac Jones did, just given his experience both you know with the team and just in the league in general. But yeah, Jones has certainly looked solid enough at this point. You know, he's made some rookie mistakes, but if you compare him to the other rookie quarterbacks, I, I think that it's fair to say he's looked the most. Pro yeah, ready. he's looked he's looked the best out of the five, which sort of surprises me. But at the same time, he's probably surrounded by the smartest coaching staff of the five yeah probably either either them or the Niners yeah I think I think that's a a fair fair thing to say um 
I think that, you know, that was kind of the thought with Mac Jones was that, you know, coming out of college, like maybe he, he could was, be the most pro ready yeah. one you could insert and feel good about in the right situation, which New England seemed like a right situation. I'm sure that he would not be doing as well if he was in Jacksonville, Jacksonville or, York, or the Jets. But, yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely not. But yeah, I, I think just given his experience at Alabama and which team he ended up with, it's for foregone conclusion that he was the most pro ready and is in the best situation for, with his skill set. Yeah. And I guess like it's fair to kind of question the Patriots right now as a playoff you know, actually getting in the playoffs, but there's no reason to fully abandon. Yeah, them to as say a it's, if they lost that game, I would say it's over. But yeah, because but it's it, because it's week five and they won that game, uh, I, I'm reluctantly okay with what's going on so far, being two and three, just given who they faced. But I don't. I'll admit I'm more on the negative side <laughs> at the moment than positive. So I think we have similar feelings about our teams because the Steelers they needed to win this game just as much as the Patriots did, having lost three in a row, not looking good, and uh, the offense played the best they had all season. Uh, you know, offensive line one of their best games in several years now after looking horrible the the first four games you know big ben was not tasked to throw the ball 40 50 times like he had in some of the earlier games he threw a touchdown pass to deontay johnson yeah deontay johnson 50 yards second week in a row where he started off and uh was able to keep the momentum going so ultimately i feel better about the Steelers' offense but that almost collapsing at the end was very scary would have been a you know a backbreaking nail in the coffin similarly if the Patriots didn't survive Houston um I think that my optimism for the Steelers is not exponentially greater than it was after the Green Bay loss like I was not feeling good about this team at all I was not feeling good about Big Ben after that Packers loss so I'm not going to act like one win changes everything you know kind of I I already ran into trouble when I, uh, you know, felt really good after that Bills victory and, you know, saw what happened from there. But um, ultimately, you know, I'm kind of in the same spot as you where it's like, okay, you kind of feel okay about being two and three. You know, there's reasons for optimism to maybe think that you can be a playoff contender for a little while, but you still want to see more before you're thinking, okay, this this team can actually get to the playoffs and make some noise. Yeah, coming into the game this past Sunday versus Denver, I, I thought they would actually win this game. But at the same time, Denver's defense is pretty good. Now, they're kind of a fraud 3-2 and two team, just given that they've beaten the Giants, Jags, and Jets, just three of the worst teams in the league. But they do have a good defense. And so for them to score 27 points versus, versus that defense, granted it was at home, and again, Denver's maybe not the best team, but it it, it was, it it was a, a, good it's a solid win. Yeah, yeah. and... Mm-hmm. um. I'm curious how you feel. How do you feel about the injury to Juju? Just given that he's been a good receiver over the past few years, but he's out for the season. But they still do have two solid receivers. I mean, I I hate it. I love Juju. He's been one of my favorite players on the Steelers the past few years since he was drafted. So it's tough, especially knowing that it could be the end for him. Given he's an unrestricted free agent, there's a lot of questions about whether you know the team will try to bring him back. But yes, there there are other receivers, more opportunities for Johnson, Chase Claypool, James Washington if he can get healthy again. 
Um, they just signed Anthony Miller to the practice squad, see if they can kind of salvage his career after he was released by the Texans a few weeks ago. So, yeah, I mean, it's I, I'm not really trying to take away too many positives. I'm not like, oh, nice, now these other guys get chances. It, it sucks. Juju's been one of the team's more reliable third-down receivers the past couple seasons. I know his yards per catch numbers aren't there, but third and four, you need someone to get five yards. He's He's been the guy, so it's certainly a tough loss, but it will force other guys to step up. And, uh, you know, even though Juju is only like 23, 24 years old, he was the veteran, you know, the, that receiver group. So I, I think that's a huge loss. And even when he wasn't putting up numbers, just like that kind of big brother mentality that, you know, some of those other guys looking up to him had, I think, uh, I think it's going to, it's going to be a, a bad loss. Now, how does it compare to say Devin Bush and Bud Dupree last year? Probably not as significant, but uh, no, definitely you know, it's not. certainly especially, possible that, especially after we saw that the Steelers started to really trend down as the year went on after yeah. going 10 and 0 or 11 and 0, whatever it was, and it, you know, the <laughs> last season's defense was, way better than this season's offense it's not even close and when you talk about the Steelers offense the skill position players are not lacking it's the offensive line and the aging quarterback that have been the issue so yeah which is um, something that I've obviously have said numerous times about my concerns with the Steelers is that yeah which is I mean the aging quarterback who looks cashed uh, at times and then their offensive line who uh their offensive line is not exactly the greatest no, and it it's that's another thing where it's like, okay, is is this week the start of a turnaround for the offensive line, or is it just a one hit wonder? It's gonna. Go that was the same thing with the Patriots. Their offensive line looked horrible for the first month, but they actually looked pretty good, even with all the injuries that they had. They were missing four starters. Yeah, right? they're missing basically their entire starting O line. But it was lucky they were lucky that they were facing the Texans because if they're facing the, the Bucks again or yeah uh, the Rams or whomever, like they they would have gotten smoked. But but yeah, so. Both of our teams definitely have uh, questions on the O-line. Yeah. Um, now, another thing. So, a couple weeks ago, I said that the Steelers' four-game stretch was crucial to, in my opinion, was crucial to how their season would, would turn out. I, mm-hmm. So, they lost to the Packers, which is what I expected, and then they beat the Broncos. That I expected. But the next two games, they got the Seahawks and the Browns. Now, the Seahawks, they don't have Russell Wilson now. Nope. They have Geno Smith. Smith. Geno looked pretty good in the fourth quarter. He did. The Rams. Yeah, he held his own against the Rams. But at the same time, it's still Geno Smith, so I'm not sure how seriously I should take him. You well, know, there have been a lot of times where the Steelers have faced those like backup quarterbacks. You're like, oh, this won't be an issue. And then they come out and they look like they're competent enough so i'm not gonna assume that gino is gonna go out there and look like an over his head rookie he's been in in the league long enough to hold his own out there but you're right in theory the Steelers should have the advantage especially given their defense yeah i i would that's that's a game that i think now that wilson's not there i think they should be favored or or it should be a close game a closer game than it would have been with wilson and then and then the next game they have the browns who I'm obviously high on, but at the same time, right now, even though they're three and two and they've looked solid, I don't know what to think of them because they they had two games in a row where their defense looked amazing, but then all of a sudden they give up 47 points to Justin Herbert and the Chargers, and there have been games where, and then offensively, okay, they won some of the games they won, they only scored against the Vikings, they won 14 what 14 to seven, to seven? and yeah. and then all of a sudden this game they didn't win, but they scored 42 points and. So I don't I don't even know what to think about the Browns, but I, 
I I would pick the Browns in that matchup, and so yeah, I think having an extra week to prepare for him is good. But again, yeah, it's it's tough to say with the Browns, especially going to Cleveland on Halloween. I'm sure that crowd's going to be going crazy. So. Yeah. So both both of us, we have we have teams that are two and three, and we have probably more negative thoughts than positive ones. Yeah, I mean, and I guess when you go beyond that, the Bears, Monday Night Football, rookie quarterback Randy Dalton, you know, that's advantage yeah, and, Steelers. Yeah, and Justin and then, Fields has not been nearly as good as I thought he'd be. No, which, and uh, the the Lions, who, you know, they're 0-5 they're, to they're this point. So, yeah, four games, the Steelers have a chance to get on track. Uh, you know, if they can, if they go 4-0, and then you're 6-3 and heading in, into that stretch. You're feeling good. Two and two or worse. And, yeah, I think the season's pretty much dead at that point yeah. so um yeah but uh, you know we'll see i'm hoping that uh you know take care of business against geno smith and a, a susceptible seahawks defense but um you know don't want to don't want to feel too high i guess what are your expectations with dallas coming to town this weekend i mean i would pick the cowboys uh just just the way they've looked on offense especially they're, they're four and one and their one loss was against the Super Bowl reigning Super Bowl champions and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And honestly, Dallas looked better in that game, the game that they lost first Tampa. And so they're definitely rolling right now. But at the same time, Dallas has always been a team that anytime they get hot, they get they they buy into it too much to the point where they end up uh at some point in the year, whether if it's now or later, they <laughs> they lose a game that they shouldn't. And so I, it wouldn't totally surprise me, actually, if the Patriots pull off the upset, but I, I still would lean Dallas. Yeah, the Cowboys are definitely rolling right now. They they did just you know three straight home games where they they've looked dominant. Now they got to go on the road and, and probably the, won't be like the you know two three years ago whatever when uh they oh, played it was like Amon raining and, and Amari Cooper yeah. my guy put up a dud where he didn't even yeah, catch a single it, uh, pass. <laughs> I don't think it'll be that kind of weather but it you know it's it's not what they're used to in dallas i would it's, imagine you know, october that, new england so i'd imagine it'll be we'll a little see. bit high, higher scoring than that game i think I, I, if if i remember correctly i think it was like 17 to 9 or something like that i don't even remember but yeah it was i mean uh, i'm pretty sure that the patriots like you know, they blocked a punt and that set up their only touchdown yeah. i think it was the 13 to 9 final score oh 13 so. to 9 okay yeah yeah it, i want to say 13 to 9 yeah i'd imagine it'll be a little bit more offense and then another thing is the patriots defense has just been uh, They've they've been very, very below average this year, and they can't stop the run. And Ezekiel Elliott, the past few weeks, has been running over everybody. Yeah, he's been awesome right now. So it'll be really interesting. It'll be a tough test, um, you know, for the Patriots this week. So are you going to the game? I I don't know yet, but I'd probably not. <laughs> I <laughs> okay. feel like I would have gotten a text by now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, Kenny, if you're if you're listening, uh, hit me up if you, you have let, an extra yeah, ticket. Yeah, I know. Um. All right, so the uh, the Patriots and the Steelers are two and three. You know who else is two and three? The Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs. Who saw that coming? Uh, oh, we certainly did not. <laughs> what are you talking about? I I thought <laughs> Adam yeah, in the Super well, Bowl again. Gonna yeah, stop this. I, I, yeah, I thought right. they'd start two and three. Yeah. No, and look, <laughs> it, I'm not shocked that they lost to the Bills. I guess given their start. Uh, but 38 to 20 at home. Things are not looking good for the Chiefs right now. No. So I originally would have said that I wouldn't panic if I were the if I were a Chiefs fan. Just get they've actually had a tough start to the to their schedule. They've faced the Browns, Ravens, Chargers, Eagles, and Bills. And all 
almost all five of those teams are actually legit good teams. The one team not being good as the Eagles, but the Eagles aren't awful. They're they're they got some decent no, I mean, players. They're they're better than I thought. Yeah, they, they got with Hertz and Devontae and they they have they're a young team that you don't expect them to go anywhere, but they're not an awful team. They're they're just a mediocre team, probably. And so they've had a tough start uh for their schedule. So I'd imagine that they'll get to easier games and they'll be fine and they'll make the playoffs and everything. But the thing I would panic about is their defense. Their defense says is it's back to twenty eighteen form again. Oh my god! They're, they're yeah. I I don't know how it's gotten that bad. They, they've given up twenty nine or more points in every single game this year. Yeah, it's it's not been good. And like it's it's easy to say, yeah, like the schedule's been tough. Like they've faced some good teams, but if we we're saying that the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC and they're the Super Bowl favorite, <laughs> losing to Baltimore, L A, and Buffalo is not good for that thought as well as just looking long term when you talk about standings and tiebreakers and these teams having head-to-head advantages now you're already at three losses are the Chiefs capable of going 11-0 of course like they're one of few teams in the league you look at it and say okay they can totally turn this thing around right away and run the table but it's going to be a tall task and you know their schedule like it only gets so much easier they still play five division games including all three road games because the Chargers was at home they have to make trips to Nashville in two weeks and then Cincinnati late in the season both of those offenses are capable of scoring and they also host the uh the Packers and the Cowboys yeah they got the the Packers the Cowboys they got the Chargers again of course in their division so yeah like there are easier parts of their schedule coming up but there are Definitely still some difficult games as well. Yeah, I mean, they have a chance for a get-right game this week against Washington. Uh, certainly need to win. Certainly need to play well. I'm sure that the offense will put up some points. Yeah, you know, especially since football Washington. Football team's defense is they're, they're, really oh bad. Oh, my God. The, the football team's defense is not as nearly as good no. as I thought they'd be. I thought they'd be one of the best ones in the league, and they're actually one of the worst ones in the league. Yeah, and they are. So. I, as much as I love... Uh, my guy Taylor Heineke. He he's I know deep down he's a backup and he can only do so much and and he needs more help from the defense and he hasn't gotten that at all. Yeah, and look, he's certainly capable of putting up points against this Chiefs defense. Oh yeah, so. it's gonna it's gonna be a I mean, even the Eagles very game, high like scoring it was 42 game. to 30. Yeah. You know, they had to score a lot of points to survive that one. So yeah, I think uh, it's gonna be going to be a tough one for the Chiefs to fully turn this thing around and get back where they need to be uh you know I don't want to be the person who calls them dead in week five and you know looks like an idiot a month from now but it's uh the Super Bowl hangover is real yeah I mean it's it's no surprise that they're no longer the betting favorites and I mean the Bills look at them right now they very much statement win going into Arrowhead pulling out a victory by a lot of points and I I don't know how they lost to the Steelers week one, but they've been they've been very good the the past four weeks, and they're certainly looking like a team that can uh, make it even further than they did last year, which was a trip to the AFC Championship game. Yeah, after that first game, my thoughts were okay. Okay, well, first of all, I didn't think they'd lose that game. I thought they'd for sure beat the Steelers, but my thoughts after that game were, oh, see, the Bills are definitely going to regress. They're they're n- yeah, they're going to be good right? and they win the division and everything, but they're going to regress though. There's they they, they can't. They can't match what they did last year. And, I mean, Josh Allen, okay, well, he's not matching what he did last year because what he did last year was absurd. But he's still he's still playing great right now. And and he's proven that he's a franchise quarterback. And 
and worth oh well who knows we'll see if he's worth the money or not but the he obviously what he needs to prove now is is prove that he can take that next step of being a super bowl super bowl caliber quarterback yeah and he certainly looks like it right now um you know the one thing i will say the past four weeks the bills have played the dolphins washington houston kansas city not the greatest defenses compared to that series defense they face in week one so it is possible that you know when yeah. it comes to facing a, an elite defense at some point, they'll get slowed down again and maybe they'll look more normal. But so the, on the, the defensive Chiefs, side of the, the ball, the Bills, won. they're also looking really great, which is not something they were at last year. So I think that that's another yeah, reason aren't they, to feel optimistic so aren't, about that. Aren't they number one scoring offense and defense right now? Probably two shutouts, It probably so helps probably. that they've, they've faced the, the, the Texans and then the Dolphins with an injured Tua in the middle of that game or the beginning of that game. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think they're I think they are the number one in both scoring offense and defense right now. And some of that of course definitely w- uh was helped by easier part of the schedule, but at the same time it's still impressive, uh, especially the their last win on the road versus the Chiefs in in bad weather. Yeah. So they're, uh, you know, these are two teams certainly to watch moving forward in the coming weeks and later in the season. It's possible we'll end up seeing, you know, this matchup in January, but hey, you got to imagine at this point it would be in Buffalo and yeah, you know, a tall I, task for Kansas City to get revenge. I don't think the Bills are the class of the league, but I think out of the AFC, I think they're the best team right now at the moment. So one team that I was not high on coming into the season that I am now fully on board is potentially like the biggest threat to the bills right now in terms of that best team in the AFC is the Los Angeles chargers. You talked about their game against the Browns 47 to 42, arguably the game of the weekend, Um, you know, game or not game of the weekend. Of course, the game of the weekend arguably will be the game of the season, you know, at least to this point. And, uh, you know, my biggest issue with the chargers is that it doesn't matter who's coaching this team. They, they, there's just something wrong with them. They're a cursed franchise. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. And this game, to me, the Chargers should have lost 10 times over. I mean, they are down 27 to 13 in the third quarter. They have a fourth down from their own 24-yard line. And any other coach is going to punt it away, and the Browns are going to go out and win in a blowout. And no, Brandon Saley goes for it. Very he goes for it again. Very, passes on a field goal. Very aggressive on fourth downs. Very aggressive. Uh, you know, a few big moments he went for it on fourth down when other coaches would have chosen to punt or kick field goals. To me, that right away is a big, big, big thing yeah, for the even, Chargers. Even though he's a defensive-minded guy more than offensive-minded, he's definitely given Herbert. He's he's shown confidence. Uh, he has in, a in ton him. of confidence in Justin Herbert. Which I don't yeah. blame him at the same time, just given how he he looked last year and how he's how he's gotten off to a hot hot start this year and yeah on offense, which is great. He plays to win. He doesn't play not to lose. He plays to win. So that first off, you know, right there, that you know, especially down forty two to thirty five when he could have punted, instead he went for it and you score a touchdown. And this is Exhibit B for the Chargers scores presumably the game tying touchdown but guess what the chargers kicker shanks an extra point when have we heard that before chargers kicker misses a kick he shouldn't have missed um so yeah it's 42 to 41 you're like all right same old chargers there's that bad luck and 
they well, luckily uh, they're facing to, another team that also well, has had some yeah, bad so luck. Kicked, kicked it off, of course, kicked it off to the Browns, ended up getting the ball back, go down the field. You're in field goal range, chip shot for Vizcaino. He's certainly going to make it from you know 23 yards out. Uh, just kneel on the ball, set it up as time expires, and well, doesn't work out because. Austin Eckler not trying to score gets just pushed <laughs> they drag him in to the end zone. Yeah, Sm- and, smart though on the Browns to do that. Oh, very smart on the Browns' part. You know they wanted him to score yeah. there. Um, that makes it forty-seven to forty-two. You're like, oh my god! And they, they gotta right, get the two, the and then they don't the get Chargers. it. They don't get it, but it's called a two-point conversion, and then you review it, and he was just like a few inches short of the goal line. So that's another thing. You just have all these things pile up. And you give the Browns a minute and a half. Of course, they're going to go down the field and win on a game-winning touchdown. Multiple Hail Mary chances, and they all fall incomplete, and the Chargers win. No bad luck. No curse. It's dead. And I'm at the point where I'm, I really want to go out and say that the Chargers are going to host the Super Bowl because that is, that's the vibes I'm getting from this team, that they can do no wrong. And look, there's plenty of time for them to, you know, to mess up in the playoffs. Chargers. Yeah. yeah, of course. So I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but the way they're playing right now, I think they're going to end up winning the AFC West. When you look at how Kansas City's playing and how they're playing, those are two teams that are I, I thought they'd be reversed at this point in terms of how they've looked. So yeah, I'm I'm I'll admit I was wrong on the Chargers this year. I know you've been really high on them the past few seasons. I've been low on them the past few seasons. But Brandon Staley, I don't know what it is, but he's figured out the code of you know probably Justin Herbert is a big part of it too. They oh, uh, they're sure, finally yeah. getting things right. Yeah, so. every, everything uh, is clicking right now for the Chargers, especially offensively. With uh, Herbert, of course, has been much much better than I expected. But and this year, I kind of. Well, this year I thought it would be the same as last year, just because I bought into his success last year, and and Eckler's been great to to start the year, and Mike Williams has been awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, I still I still think Keenan Allen is their number one receiver, even though Mike Williams is off to a better start. But I, I think one of the reasons why Mike Williams is now breaking out this year compared to last year is that I mean Herbert, okay, yeah, he was great last year, but any rookie quarterback has to get more comfortable with the offense as the year goes on. And because of that, going from year one to year two, I think he's more comfortable now in throwing the deep ball. And Mike Williams is really, he's more of a vertical threat. And and you, we saw that in this past game. I mean, not just this throughout this year, but especially in this past game where Mike Williams is wide open on, on some, some of these throws. And some of that is on the Browns defense just completely sucking on Sunday, but yeah. some of it's also on those guys uh, being on the same page and Herbert being more comfortable in the offense. And yeah, it's it's looking great for the Chargers right now. So looking at it from a Browns perspective, who do you blame this loss on most? Oh, that's a that's a good question. Um, I mean, there are a few. I mean, answers the, you can it's go so with. easy to just say, "Oh, the defense," because they gave up forty-seven points. Uh, I mean, so that would be my number one answer. But I don't know. Um, coaching, I guess. I don't know. What? What? Do you, do you blame it on Stefanski? Yeah, so here, I, would I mean, say, here's yeah, the thing. He, yeah, third go, go and coaching, ten yeah. from your own fifteen-yard line, and you run a halfback draw. Do not get it. I have to punt. So. I think it's easy to say, Stefanski, what are you doing calling that play? You know, pass. It's you got to get 10 yards. Throw the ball, get the first down, get the victory. 
to me, that tells me that Safansky does not have faith in Baker Mayfield. Yeah. And I think that, look, you can blame thought- Safansky for that, but you know, I think that Baker has kind of shown that when the game is on the line, he's not the guy that uh, Savansky can trust, and for, for various reasons. I mean, we saw against Kansas City, he tried to throw a ball away and ended up throwing a pick at the end. So, yeah, my, my, uh, you know, my, doesn't want something bad like that happening again. Yeah, my take on the the Browns being good this year, I thought a lot of it had to do with good coaching from last year. We just saw, we saw mm-hmm. last year that they went from this joke 7-9 team with Freddie Kitchens as their six coach, and ten. or six and ten, whatever you're right, yeah. six and ten. Uh, Freddie Kitchens led team that was just a disaster with coaching to the point where he was fired after one season, and then all of a sudden Kevin Stefanski comes in one year in, and, and the Browns look great, and they almost beat the Chiefs on the road in the playoffs, and they look like they not only had the talent but also the coaching now, and I I thought that could, and and then when you factor in Baker's second half success from last year I thought that could go in go into this year as well and that still hasn't shown Baker's I he feels still like a game manager still relies way too much on the running game well granted they have great running backs but I still feel like it's more run first offense and yeah I'm not I'm not sold on Baker. I mean I don't I don't even like Baker (laughs) I mean but (laughs) but I thought coming in this year there were a lot of reasons to like him this year and the and their offense and their offense think, has been good, but but it's been because of their running game and not yeah. And it, not well, it's really... easy to like Baker and how he plays given the running game. He is an elite play action quarterback. Yeah. I'll admit that. And I mean, the, and Stefanski's offense goes through a lot of play action. A lot of play action. You know those two tight end format. You know relying on those kind of guys and, and factoring it, it in a great Baker offensive line successful. just makes it that much better. Yeah, like there's the. The Browns, though, are not winning because of Baker Mayfield no, when they win. No, of course win. not. Like, Baker Mayfield is just a one little piece to that component. It's like, so. it's this is not a perfect comparison, but it's like Garoppolo a couple years ago with, when the Niners were great. They were, they were relying on great defense and their running game more than the quarterback. No, but Garoppolo did have some of those moments where he pulled out huge victories. That right, versus the Saints. That Saints game yeah. in New Orleans, yeah. Yep. Baker. Hasn't That's why it's not really a perfect a comparison, moment. but that was the one that came. No, to mind. but like Baker, ha- what week seven last year against the Bengals was like. That's the last time he's led a you know fourth quarter overtime scoring drive, you know game winning drive for the win. So I I think that is a a big you know knock on Baker Mayfield at this point, and you know something that I've, I've kind of makes me want the Browns to pay him $40 million, whatever yeah, kind of crazy I think contract he would need. If this trend continues, I think it would be a mistake to pay him. For sure. Because, you know, it's, a, it's, he's a game manager. It's, he can be good enough yeah, for he, the he, Browns to win with everything else going on there. But he, you know, when it comes down to it, he's not going to be the guy who leads them to victory. I mean, look he, at that. He, they had a minute and a half and they wasted 45 seconds picking up 12 yards and little short throws over the middle. Yeah. Uh, I He was a game manager for most of last year until the, until December where he, he was becoming a bigger part of the offense or, or throwing, throwing more uh, on in their offense. But, no, he still feels like a game manager, and I agree with you that it would be if again if this continues and if if he doesn't get better or if Stefanski doesn't show more confidence in him like the end of last year, then then that's I, I wouldn't I wouldn't pay Baker either. Another thing is 
so another reason why I also like the Browns coming in the year was the receivers with Odell and Jarvis. And Jarvis, of course, he go he gets hurt again. And Odell, he was hurt for the first two weeks. And I don't know if it's more because of the injury or because he just doesn't fit in their offense. But he's he been he's been invisible. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't fit in their offense. It, so you think it's more? I don't think of, they're going to trade him. You think but... it's more on fit than the injury? Yes. Yes, that's I, I mean, fair. I'm sure that they both play a role, but that was my thing with Odell coming in the season is that they, Odell is just an odd piece for them. Like they played so much better last season when he got hurt, and that, that was another reason for me to be down on them was because of Odell. People were like, oh, he's coming back. His offense going to go to the next level. I don't think so. And to this point, it it hasn't happened. Yeah. So, I, so uh, that's that's something that I misread. Yeah. So the Browns have a chance to get back on track this week. Big one, five and zero Arizona Cardinals coming to town. If they win, it's a huge statement for them. If they lose, then you know they're back down to five hundred and just another another reason to question this team. And the Cardinals so, are off to a, a hot start where they I, are. I, I certainly would take them more seriously than I originally did before the year started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there just a few more points from this weekend? Uh, Kicker has missed like a billion field oh goals. My God. It, it was crazy. K- kickers Extra points. Kickers uh, this weekend are were were, were just brutal, especially yeah, it, especially Packers, that Packers Bengals game. Yeah. I texted you the the <laughs> the, the the drive summary yeah. of how yeah, that game ended. ESPN. And, yeah, yeah, and uh, so the last seven drives of the Packers Bengals game. Uh, and and so like the last like two minutes in overtime. Yeah, and to be fair, Brian texted me about this too. So, so I, he was aware of it as well. Of course, being a Packers fan, but yeah, uh, everyone I'd imagine watching that game was aware of that. So the last seven drives were <laughs> missed field goal, missed field goal, missed field goal, interception, <laughs> missed field goal, missed field goal, field goal to win the game. Yeah. So, <laughs> Five, five of the last row. seven drives ended in a, a missed field goal. Yeah, you had Crosby miss like a chip shot from like 35 yards or something, and the wheel just fell off for him. McPherson, he misses from 57, so you're like, okay, it's a long kick, but it sets up the Packers. All right, you get another chance, Crosby. No, from further away, and not then, And then McPherson happen. has another chance, and then he thinks it, oh, he thinks it went in, and it didn't. Starts celebrating like, ah, yeah, it's a, it's a tough look for the rookie. And the thing is, He's won, I think, multiple games. He won last week against Jacksonville and week one against Minnesota. So he's used to those game-winning kicks. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know why he thought it went in. It it hit the flag, which is on the outside of the pole. But that was uh, that was tough for him. And, you know, I, I was happy to see the Packers beat the Bengals. Um, you know, that Crosby was able to make this one through. But at the same time, I was I was hoping for a tie because that game felt like it deserved to end in a tie. Yeah. The, the, do you remember that game where it was, I think it was Seahawks-Cardinals and it was, yeah. it was six to six in <laughs> overtime and both yeah. kickers had a chance to make it. And I think it was Zane like Gonzalez. 25 and- yards. Uh, Hauschka, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen Hauschka was. Yeah, and he had a he had a gimme to end the game, and of course he missed it too. Yeah. 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 It was a. I mean, a tough weekend for kickers. Everyone was off. I mean, the Monday night game, Rodrigo Blankenship just uh, they uh, talked about. Yeah. It. He had hot the yips, hot rod. Horrible. Yeah. yeah I mean, he was. He was also. It was reported during the game that he was hurt as well. Um, yeah. I mean, I I would hope so for his sake. Yeah, because. Because he missed m- multiple kicks, and one of them was blocked. To be fair, but still, it he 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 also missed an extra point, and so yeah, he didn't he didn't look good. Yep. Um, and I guess the last point 
still have two 0-5 teams, but couldn't really be on more opposite ends of the 0-5 spectrum at this point with the Jacksonville Jaguars and Detroit Lions. Yeah, the the Lions, so I I obviously, I mean, can't imagine anyone, uh, anyone was I on the Detroit Lions this year, but I expected them to be 0-5 at this point, but at the same time, they've actually have not looked horrible. They've actually have been in yeah, some of these games and then then all of a sudden Justin Tucker of course makes a 66 yarder to break their hearts and then they lose on another game winning field goal. And so the the Lions yeah, they they've actually they're 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 not going to make the playoffs or anything. They're going to be in, in the top 5 or 10 or pro- probably top 5 and uh, they'll, they'll be at the very uh, high end of the draft again, but I don't know. They they're playing they're playing hard and Dan Campbell clearly shows that he cares, and yes, he's not the smartest X's and O's head co- kind of kind of head coach, but he's showing a lot of emotion in the podium and shows that he does care. And hey, I w- I'd rather play for a coach that even if he's not the smartest guy, I'd rather play for a coach that's gonna show that much emotion and wants wants to win that badly uh, in these games than a coach who. Uh, loses and then doesn't go home on the 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 flight home and then is grinding with some chick at his bar (laughs) yeah yeah it's uh you could not be in two different situations and Dan Campbell and Urban Meyer and it's it's been soul crushing for the Lions I understand Campbell you know crying after that one like it's, it's been tough for them but uh yeah the Jaguars in particular Urban Meyer mesh right now like he has zero respect of that team oh, and it's he's uh brutal it, i I, know, I can't believe i thought the jags could actually win six I, games this year i i, I actually I thought, thought they'd they be, be a potential like dark horse playoff team like it's well, it's insane i would, I would have said the just, same just given their division but any other division yeah, well, i would have I mean, said no was, but because of their reality, division I, yeah i don't yeah. Bl- i don't blame, blame you for thinking that i, like, I thought they could actually we just yeah. Win six games. We just were so quick to overlook this idea that Urban Meyer could maybe be a detriment to this team in year one. Like, ah, no, long term, it'll take. Yeah, a while. it'll take a yeah. few years, then I'll get fired. But wow, Four no, weeks. five games in, he he sucks that badly. Yeah, and like I I don't know what to make of it at this point. And there are people saying, oh, he's like trying to get fired at this point. Or it's like I I don't think it's like that. Like if he didn't, if he wanted to be a college coach, why would he take the NFL job? But. It is. Uh, it's. It's hard to see him lasting that much longer at this point. I can't. Um, I can't imagine him getting past this season. No, and I mean, I, I, getting past Thanksgiving. Like, <laughs> well, that would be uh, an awkward uh, Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thanksgiving well, oh, day. So, yeah, uh, I mean, Urban, uh, how how's the coaching job doing going right now? Uh... <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that most family gatherings are very awkward. Oh in yeah, my family. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I, I don't feel good about this team at all. I really hope for, you know, Jacksonville's sake that it's only a matter of time before Meyer's gone. Um, do you like their chances in London against the Dolphins this week? Given everything. So. Well, I mean, the Dolphins have been wretched too. Yeah. So I would, I would say they actually have a fighting chance in that game. And, and aren't they actually good in London? The, the Jacks? They're actually a, a, uh, when they when they go they? to London, they're they're they've shown some success there. I'm pretty sure they've probably won a few games there. I mean, they've played so many games. I I don't know that they're that great. Yeah, so they probably I have more. They played the Texans. They probably, probably have more, have more experience than overseas than, than the than the Dolphins do. So yeah, if they're gonna win any game, yeah. it'll probably be that one. Especially since the Dolphins are 
definitely worse than we expected. And I mean, granted, they they lost their starting quarterback, but even so, they haven't looked great. Yeah, I mean the the Jaguars are are going nowhere fast. Uh, from the Lions' perspective, though, I wouldn't be shocked if they beat the Bengals this week, just given you know how close they've been. That Bengals loss to the Packers, like I know it's a on paper good loss to a good team but yeah but the way they lost is crushing yeah yeah it could really set them back after that three and one start so and and burrow had he had his minor injury as well i'm curious if that's any big concern or not and Mm -hmm. and i don't know the Bengals have definitely overachieved to start the year and i'm I'm curious if they're for real or if they're eventually going to come back down to earth yeah i know because like their defense has looked much better but at the same time they've played the the Vikings, the Bears, the Steelers, and the um, Jaguars. So it's not like they've been playing, you know, elite competition before the Green Bay game. So we'll see if their uh, schedule gets tougher if they continue to, you know, win games. So, all right, that'll wrap up the football talk. Let's talk a little baseball. And the Boston Red Sox are going to the ALCS. So. Last time we were on here, it was still the end of the regular season. Neither of us were feeling great following getting swept by the Yankees. But I don't know. What are your thoughts now after you know beating the Yankees in the wild card game, taking three out of four from the Rays? Do you feel good going into the series against the Astros? Yeah, just because everything's going their way right now. I mean, the Astros, yeah, I would. they should be favored just given their talent. But I don't know. the red the, the, This Red Sox team, it reminds me a lot of the 13 and 18 teams where yeah. where their rosters aren't exactly the greatest on paper but just for whatever reason they're relentless and they are always in these games and some luck goes their way as well but i mean i don't know they're just relentless right now they're they're they've been fun to watch over the past uh, couple weeks and i don't know if momentum is going to carry into this series but I don't know. It's just I think things are going their way. That's that's how I feel about this Red Sox team. Uh, feels a lot like thirteen and eighteen. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I'm definitely getting similar vibes. I mean, going into thirteen, they had just gone sixty nine and ninety three. Bobby Valentine was fired after one season. It was a disaster. But they made some moves in the off season. And I was like, okay, maybe this things can go better. And I think I had a similar mindset this year, where I was like, okay, yeah, the COVID year was terrible, but they can be like a five hundred team. Yeah, I thought you know, they'd be a five hundred team. I wins. thought they'd be an eighty win team and just yeah. Go, Somewhere go in that third, range, finished in third or fourth place or whatever in their division. Yeah, and they they've they got off to a strong start. Didn't really look back. Um, I know we were disappointed by I the was, trade deadline. Yeah, I was but... furious with the deadline, just given that they were actually playing as well as they were. And then at the deadline, they needed a a first baseman that had power as well as good fielding because they were not getting good fielding whatsoever out of guys like Dahlbeck and others and. So I thought Rizzo was the perfect guy, but then of course he goes to the one team that I don't want him on, and and he did help the Yankees, uh, especially when he first got there, and then of course they, in the wild card game as, as well, meeting with the Red Sox, and he hits a home run. So, I mean Rizzo was effective, but, and so I was disappointed by that, but then also also just because they only the only thing they really did was get Kyle Schwarber and Hansel Robles who, uh. Schwarber, he was he was hurt when they got him, and so I didn't know how he felt about that. And he never played first base, and so I was I wasn't 
I, I wasn't I didn't love that idea, even though Kyle Schwarber I like a lot, and he's shown a lot of power when he was with the Cubs. But he's been great. He I think he's had the third highest OPS since he's been with the Red Sox, which is great uh, for yeah, him. Yeah, that's awesome. And and he's obviously shown a lot. Uh, his power in the past series versus the Rays and and then Robles I thought he'd be a disaster but outside of that game I think it was game uh was it game three yeah or game two or game three uh where he imploded uh outside of that he's been he's been solid uh for what they got what for what they uh got rid of to get him yeah, I um I I've definitely had a lot of uh mixed emotions about the Red Sox throughout the season. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm currently riding high following that that victory over the Rays. So two really fun games, back to back walk off following a blowout win in game two. So um I'll admit I still don't love the pitching situation. I don't either. It's just the start so I mean bullpens matter more than ever than starting pitching. I feel like starting pitching is like running backs now in the NFL where it just matters less <laughs> yeah. and less by the year. Well, especially in the playoffs. Yeah. But like but the but thing is the it's thing starting is, pitchers who come out of the yeah, bullpen. Yeah, and the thing with the Red Sox is who do you have faith in besides Nathan Avaldi in the starting rotation? Because I don't have faith in any of them besides Avaldi because I love I love Chris Sale and and his attitude uh towards the game and the Red Sox fans in general, and but he he he's definitely uh, taken uh, a step down uh, ever since he got that contract. And yeah, he got rocked in the first yeah, inning. Yeah, game, game two was a disaster. I mean, he lasted he lasted literally one inning. And I never have faith in Eduardo, even though he looked fine in game three. Yeah, he or was game four, really sorry. starting to grow on me. But uh, I mean, I, he did he did pitch well in game four, which is good yeah. after not pitching. But at the same time, one. I. It wouldn't surprise me whatsoever in his next start. He just gets shelled by the Astros mm-hmm. uh, lineup, and so yeah, I don't, I don't love their rotation now. Their bullpen, I, I love uh, Garrett Whitlock. Yeah, Garrett Whitlock, he, he, awesome. he's the man. And then Nick Pavetta was terrific in Game Three, where he had they they went into extras, and he he I think he pitched four scoreless. Yeah, yeah and so he looked great and in that game and so i feel better about their bullpen but yeah the the pitching is what worries me more than their lineup yeah and the the astros they certainly can score runs uh whether they're playing in houston or on the road is evidence (laughs) of their game four win like sorry ryan tapera uh 10 to 1 they beat the white Sox, so i don't think there's much question about that i can really see this series going a number of ways i can see the Astros just coming out and dominating. I can see the Red Sox coming out and dominating, and I can see this going the distance, uh, you know, really uh, come down to those few key moments. Um, I mean, if I had to make a prediction, I would take the Red Sox just because I feel like I've been down on them before. Yeah, that's... And that's, they exceed my expectations. That's so why I'm going to take I'm the Red Sox. Good, like, that's why I'm taking yeah. the Red Sox, too, just because... Oh, there's no way they can beat this team. This this team right? is definitely better than them. There's no way. And then all of a sudden they win. And so yeah, I, I like what you just said. I've been down this road before, downing them, and I'm, I'm just not going to do that anymore. Just, I feel like everything's gone their way, including uh, game three, thirteenth inning. Kevin Kiermeyer hits a long, oh, I know. It's a bomb, <laughs> and then it hits the wall, and then all of a sudden it hits Renfro, and then goes into the bullpen for yeah, a ground like, rule double. I was like, what happened there? I, that's yeah. And look. Did the Rays get screwed by the rule? 
probably. I think that was kind of a silly. Yeah, the, the Red Sox caught it a break. Right. They did. Yeah, they they called it right. It's you know I'm curious it's, if it's, they're going to. It was decide unfortunate, to make changes, but. but. At the same time, like what what else could they do? It it, it had to be a ground mm-hmm. road double, and I mean the Rays of all teams with their stupid stadium and the catwalk they have. <laughs> yeah. I mean they they, yeah, they should know Nelson better than anyone on. all the wacky things that happen. Right, I know, and like I get it, momentum is a thing, but they did strike out Zanino and then a two run homer, so. The uh, you know At the this, difference was. I mean, that one yes, run. it would have made it five to four. I know the Red Sox won. Uh, scoring a two-run homer, but yep. it if that run did score, it, let's say it didn't go in, in the bullpen and, and they did score, I feel like the hitters' mindsets change uh, and, and and pitchers' mindsets change, and it, it it's diff it's oh, a little sure. bit different. It, I mean, it's yeah. easy to just add up the runs, but you never know. I, I guess it, no, it, it it most certainly uh, would have played out differently. It, if nothing else, I don't think Luis Patino goes back out for the thirteenth if they're winning. So that could certainly play a role. Um, yeah, regardless, the Red Sox benefited, and uh, yeah, feeling pretty good. So um, offensively, you should feel good. I mean, especially yeah, oh, sure. especially Kike. Uh, he yep. batted five sixty three in the three wins that they had. So he he's yeah, oh he's good. phenomenal. Yeah, he. That signing. Who is he? Five for six in game two. I think he had. You might have even had six hits in that. He's oh, in, incredible. Like, I mean, either way, he was great in those the three yeah. the three wins that they had. Um. All right. So breaking news: the Braves just beat the Brewers five to four. Christian Yelich struck out looking at the game. Braves are going to the NLCS World Series pick. They were my preseason World Series pick. Um. Giants, Dodgers. So at the time of recording, they're playing game four tonight in LA. Walker Bueller going on short rest. That one just started. Do you think that the Giants close it out? Did the Dodgers stay alive and force a game five? I'm gonna, well, I don't know, but I'm going to root for the Giants. It's obvious that I don't like the Dodgers, and it's just so unfair. I mean, Oh, we don't have Trevor Bauer, or Clayton Kershaw. I mean, that's okay. We got we got a uh, Walker Bueller, Max Scherzer, and Julio Arias. No problem. <laughs> that's yeah. that's just so unfair. And so yeah, I'm I'm definitely rooting for the Giants. I I think the Dodgers win tonight. I think uh, Walker Bueller gets it done. He pitched well in Game One, but he just didn't stand a chance against Logan Webb, who was unreal that game. I uh, I did not plan on staying up to watch the whole game and yet i i did which is kind of in- incredible uh you know that i i watched a an entire MLB i watched the entire that was not the red sox i watched the entire 18 inning game uh b- between the red sox and dodgers in game three of the world series yeah i mean that's ago. a team you root for in the world series it was still a long ass game though. yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was it was almost four in the morning when when it finally ended yeah all right, uh, so that'll wrap things up for baseball. Um, real quickly, before we say um, goodbye to you and you know shift the focus to Julia and Bachelor in Paradise, NHL season puck drop tonight, Tuesday. The Penguins and Lightning are playing right now in Tampa. Penguins are actually up 2 nothing with uh, Dalton Heinen, free agent signing, scoring early in the second, Danton and Brian Heinen. Burke. Who they... Danton Heinen? Yeah. Uh, he oh, he used okay. to play for the Bruins. Trust me, Dancing I remember Heinen. him. He was invisible yeah. <laughs> with the yeah, Bruins. Yeah, he's so he was not a great like you know 
prize of the free agent pool or whatever. Uh, and then Brian Burke, who they just signed today, scored a goal. Wow, so, good for him. Get, get yeah. signed. Uh, get signed to a yeah, team. Yeah, he had than... like a tryout, so it wasn't like he was you know totally off the streets. But yeah, two nothing. We'll see how that holds up. Um, so let's just go ahead and kind of give our predictions for the season. So basically, who we expect to survive the you know divisional portion of the playoffs, not necessarily the number one seed in the regular season, but you know who we think will advance to the conference finals, back to the normal schedule at this point. Um, and then, you know, ultimately our Stanley Cup picks. So I'll let you get started. Okay, so for the Atlantic Division, this is a buys pick, but I'll take the Bruins. I, I know I know I wasn't a huge fan of their offseason, but they do have a lot of depth at forward, uh, picking up uh, several several key acquisitions in Felino and Howla and a lot of other guys. And uh, it's kind of a biased pick, but... Even though I'm not super high on their winning the Stanley Cup ever again, and <laughs> sometime soon <laughs> with this uh, core, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, with this core, I still think that there's plenty of motivation uh, for those guys, especially after losing Game Seven of the Cup a couple years ago, and so, and and it's also I just don't want to take Tampa again, <laughs> pick Tampa yeah, so yeah, many times, fair. and I I don't want to do that. I'd rather just be a little bit different and. Uh, pick the next best team and just happens to be the team I root for. And so I'll take the Bruins. And, and do you want me to pick every single division? Yeah, you can just go through. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so in the Metropolitan Division, I'll go with the Islanders. I, I was I was impressed by how they performed in last year's playoffs. And even though they don't have a lot of star power on their team, they definitely have a lot of guys that are just grinders and 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 then Matthew Barzal was terrific in the playoffs last year, and it kills me every single time he does something good because he could have could have been on the Bruins. Uh, but they have they they're they're definitely a a team to watch out for again, especially given how well coached they are and just a good grinding team and and decent amount of talent and and good goaltending as well, which they showed last year versus the Bruins and throughout the postseason last year. So I'm going to take the Islanders. Uh, and then so in the Central Division, in the Western Conference, I'm going to take the Colorado Avalanche uh, with Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen and Gabriel Landeskog. That makes one of the best lines in hockey. Probably, I would still pick Bergeron, Martian, and Pasternak as the best line in hockey, but uh, Colorado Avalanche, they have plenty of talent, especially on that first line. And then adding Kale McCarr uh, on the defensive end, it's definitely... Definitely a lot of high-end talent on their team. and So I'm going to go with the Colorado Avalanche to get out of the, the Central Division. And they were, they were, they've lost in the second round two years in a row, and so I'd imagine that there's extra motivation to uh, get further into the postseason. Yeah, a lot of pressure on them this year. And then the Pacific Division, I'm going <laughs> to, this is kind of a broken record, but I'm going to take the Vegas Golden Knights again. <laughs> I, 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 I know it sounds like I'm a bandwagon fan. Maybe I was a little bit that first year, but... I, I I do take their talent seriously. They're, they're with with Pacioretty and Petrangelo, one of the best D men in the league, and which is something I know for sure. Losing to him when he was with the St. Louis Blues, and um, and they also added a added a few guys in free agency, including uh, Nolan Patrick, who was a bust in Philly, but hey, maybe he can turn it around with Vegas. And 
also Marsha So and Riley Smith. And I can go on and on about their roster. They're very good. Uh, they don't have Mark andre Fleur anymore, but Robin Leonard is still uh, a good starting goaltender. And so Vegas is loaded still, and I would still take him seriously. And so I have him out of the Pacific di- Pacific Division, yeah. Uh, do you want me to keep going? Then, yeah, how All about right. your, your Stanley Cup finals? All right, I'll take the Bruins and the Golden Knights, and there's no effing way I'm going to take the Bruins to win it all. I, I, I've, <laughs> I've, 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 I've been heartbroken enough times to know to not actually pick them to win it all. And so I'll take them to lose again in the Stanley Cup. Who knows? They may be able to pick up. They'll pick up Tuca in January, and he'll he'll break my heart once again. And so I'm going to take the Golden Knights again to win the Stanley Cup, and they'll probably lose again. But whatever. <laughs> it's like Tampa with me, where I took them so many years in a row, and it finally paid off. It's going to be yep. like that with Vegas, where I'm just going to take them every single year until they do it. All right, so I'll go ahead with my picks. So the Atlantic Division, it's tough. Of course, you have the Tampa Bay Lightning, who won two years in a row. The Bruins, Toronto Maple Leafs, Montreal Canadiens, they went to the finals last year. Um, But the team I like is the Florida Panthers. I think that they're loaded. They're an offensive juggernaut. Um, They extended Barkov to a long contract. They did. Alexander Barkov just extended a huge contract. Aaron Ekblad is an awesome defender. Spencer Wright, he's a 20-year-old young goalie. I think he supplants Sergei Bobrovsky as their number one star. Yeah, Bobrovsky was the Calder Rookie of the Year. He was brutal last year versus, versus Tampa. Yep, I think that the Panthers, uh, they get the best of the Lightning. They get revenge. The Lightning, 82-game grind. They haven't had to do that in a while now, and I think it'll be much more similar to the pre-COVID you know, COVID bubble everything when they would just choke in the playoffs. So I like that pick. It, got, it's not They're not the best team in that division. I mean, the, the Lightning are definitely, but it's a, it's a good sneaky dark horse pick. I it is. It is a, it's definitely a bolder one. Um, from there, I also think the Islanders, just based off their performance the past couple seasons are going to advance out of the Metropolitan Division. And in the Eastern Conference Finals, they're going to avoid the Lightning, and this time they'll go over the hump and they'll advance to the Stanley Cup Finals. Barry Trotz gets back for the first time after winning it all with the Capitals in his final season there in 2018. In the West, I'm also going chalk like you, Avalanche, Golden Knights, are the two best teams in in the league, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess the Lightning, you can maybe put ahead of one of them but those are the three uh, best I I do like those teams Um, if I had to say you know who's going to be the biggest challenge like someone who would uh, get past them in the central I really like the Winnipeg Jets Uh, Nikolaj Ellers is great and I think Connor Hellebuke's going to win the Vezina this year he's phenomenal goalie I mean you're talking uh, former Vezina winner wait he won it Connor Hellebuck, yeah, he won it a yeah. couple years ago, I think. Okay, I didn't realize he's actually won it. Um, yeah, I, I think he's going to win it. He will be a household name come February 2022 when he leads the um, USA to a medal in the Olympics. It's kind of Ryan Miller-esque performance. And in the West, I mean, or the Pacific, I guess... <laughs> the Kraken because maybe they'll do the same thing the Golden Knights did and just in their first season they'll uh defy the odds and they'll they'll advance but I I do think for now the Golden Knights will not only win the Pacific but they'll win the West they'll get the best of the Avalanche for the second straight postseason thanks in large part to the performance of Jack Eichel, who they trade for midseason, this disgruntled Sabres star. Uh, I, I think I he's want, gonna put them over the hump. I wanted the brooms to get him so badly because because obviously he'd be a great Hall, fit so. being a former BU player and 
he was at Warrior Ice Arena practicing with the Bruins a few times, and so it would have been a great fit, especially since I mean he he could still get traded, yeah, and to them, especially but. since they need a second line center, assuming Coyle doesn't pan out. But ten million for uh ten plus million for one player is a lot, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think the Golden Knights make the move. I think they're desperate after uh, coming up short the past few seasons. I can see and it, which would which would hurt if because because they're already really good, and so if they added him, yeah. that would just be unfair. They have a uh, sets up a Cup Finals uh, rematch with the Golden Knights against Barry Trotz and his Islanders now, and this time they get the best of trots and they finally win their first stanley cup so <laughs> so we're pick- you and we're, i were the we're same both- way we pick vegas <laughs> every year yeah we're gonna pick vegas every- we should just we should just release the uh recording from last year and then put that into <laughs> put that into this episode even with different divisions yeah. uh last year yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah i'm very excited to see how um the new broadcasts turn out as well with espn and tnt like i know that espn has not given hockey the time yeah. of day but i think they're ready to shove it down our throats now that they i hope so i i, I... Every single game in the month of October is on ESPN+. Plus. They want us watching hockey. They want to talk about it. They interviewed Sidney Crosby yesterday. It was supposed to be during one of the football halftime. On, on, oh. on Get Up. Yeah, totally uh, you know, opposite end of the spectrum in terms of likable people. Yeah, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah Crosby, basically just like, yeah, tell us a little about hockey. Okay, now tell us about football. What position do you want to play? Do you follow the Steelers? How's Big Ben? You ever hang out with them? Like... All right, you could tell that this was meant Mar- for a football marketing broadcast. hockey with other sports. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a great start. So we'll see. Uh, definitely excited to see yeah you know, what they do with it though, because I I think that their plan is to market the star players like your Sidney Crosby, your Connor McDavid, your Alexander Ovechkin. So, and uh, you know they're they're getting exposure to those kind of guys right away. I mean, you look at the ESPN and TNT lineup, you're getting eight arguably eight of the most relevant teams in terms of being really good and big markets with, you know, you have your, your lightning, your avalanche, your golden Knights, you have your Blackhawks, your penguins, your Rangers, your capitals, and then the Kraken, the team that everyone's excited to see how they play out. So I think they're doing a good job with it so far. So, or, you know, at least on paper, you know, we'll see they're half a game in at this point, still two, nothing going in the third for the penguins. Hopefully they don't blow it. Um, with Jari yeah. net, maybe. <laughs> well, yeah, he was really good in the regular season. So I, I think that the Penguins are going to go to the playoffs this year and uh, they're going to disappoint me when they get there once again. So, <laughs> all right. So, Brian, that'll be it for you. Uh, you know, thanks for coming on, talking sports. No now problem. Let's... Anytime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we'll be back, uh, you know, in the near future again to talk more football, baseball, hockey, basketball. Uh, But for now, let's cut to my interview with Julia to talk Bachelor in Paradise. All right. I am joined by a great guest, the lovely Julia Cousin. Julia, welcome on the podcast. Thank you. It's so great to be here. I never thought that you would come on my sports (laughs) podcast. (laughs) So... This is uh, um, definitely a surprise that it came together. Yeah, <laughs> I would love to be on the sports podcast someday, but not today. <laughs> well, you know, we're 
talking about still something that I consider a sport in a lot of ways, and that is Bachelor in Paradise, uh, one of my favorite reality competition shows. And the season just wrapped up. I know it was a week ago. We originally planned on recording last week. Both of us were kind of sick after a weekend in Vegas, which that's where you live. You're still there. Um, But, you know, better late than never. So... I guess we can get into this. Before we um, focus on this season of Paradise, though, I just kind of want to talk to you about the Bachelor franchise in general and just kind of tell you know the listeners how you first got into the show and you know what draws you to it, because I know you've been a fan for a long time now. Yeah, um, I've been watching Bachelor since high school. I was definitely one of those people that didn't give a shit about it and then a lot of people around me were watching it like my dad would watch it and I was like this is so stupid (laughs) why you watch this and then I was just like I'm just gonna give it a try just to see and then it's kind of one of those shows you get hooked and you get hooked on the people and the situations that happened and then I realized Bachelor in Paradise was a thing and realize how much more fun that was to watch than watching one person try and tackle dating 20 people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think you and I both had similar experiences because you were actually the, one of the main reasons why I got in the show because you started watching it before me. And I remember just thinking it was so ridiculous. You're like, no, you have to watch, you have to watch it. I finally did. And I was hooked right away. And I agree with you. I found out about bachelor in paradise and I was like, this is easily my favorite version of the show. It's like you said, it's not just one person dating everybody. Yeah. It's, you know, just a total free for all and vacation in Mexico. So I, uh, I'm definitely a huge fan of Paradise. And I guess we can, with that, talk about the season, season seven that just concluded. And I guess, you know, just off the bat, what are your thoughts on the season as a whole? I guess compared to other seasons, we didn't have one last year. Just, you know, trying to think back, is this, how does this kind of rank against, uh, you know, some of the other ones? Um, this is definitely one of my favorite seasons. I feel like, um, based on past seasons, they brought in a lot of good people in. It's very rare that a past bachelorette comes on to Bachelor in Paradise. Usually, I don't think it's like, happened before. Yeah, it's never happened before. It was, it was definitely very cool to see that dynamic. Um, but it's definitely probably one of my second favorite seasons of Bachelor in Paradise. I would say we, they had a lot of great people and a lot of good drama to keep you watching and a lot, and probably like a lot of successful love stories too. Yeah, I I think um, from the love story perspective, it's one of the more successful seasons, at least as of now, you know, we're only a few weeks or a few months, whatever, out of it. There's still plenty of time for things to change. But uh, I agree. I really like this season. I thought it was much needed after not having it last year. Um, You know, I've always been a fan of the show. It it was different for a lot of reasons. um, But I I agree with you. The drama was very good. you know, maybe it, it felt like it was a little dragged out because they just were only having like Tuesday episodes. It felt like much longer. Yeah. But at the same time, it's kind of like the normal season of, you know, The Bachelor, The Bachelorette. And it gave you kind of more time to, I guess, decompress rather than having to commit to four hours every single week. So there are pros and cons to that. Uh, but yeah, of course, there are a lot of love that have come out of this three engagements other relationships which happens all the time they end in mexico and then they get back together so i guess let's kind of start talking about some of the relationships and uh our thoughts on them let's start with the engaged ones and my personal favorite relationship is joe and serena you know from the beginning i was a huge fan of them and i'm so happy that they uh they made it 
alive, you know, out of us, engaged, won the show, whatever, yeah. and are still happy together. Yeah, they're definitely my favorite. You can tell that the love is very there, and they're both very sweet people and very genuine. I, I've always loved Joe. I loved him when he was on Bachelor in Paradise before and with his relationship with Kendall. And when I heard he was coming back, I was really excited for him because I know he's a great guy. And so, yeah, I'm really happy. And I, lo I love Serena and Matt's season too. So they're just great together. They're the best one this season by far. Yeah, I've always been a huge fan of Joe. I mean, he was so much fun in that, you know, the first time he went on Paradise. So I, I was disappointed that things didn't work out with him and Kendall, but I, I was happy that he did come. And he found probably an even better love with Serena. We'll see. I mean, obviously him and Kendall yeah. had long-term issues, but if, uh, you know, things can work out better, then I, I do think they're a great couple. I didn't know Serena coming in because I didn't really watch Matt's season. Um all I know is that there were a lot of guys who were saying they were interested in her when they showed up to the beach. And I was like, ah, oh, man, Joe's not going to stand a chance. And then the fact that, you know, he actually wooed her that yeah. first night and, uh, you know, was able to stick with her. She did go on that one date, but decided she'd rather be with Joe. It was a, a great, fun love story to follow. And really, it was probably the safest relationship. I mean, it was the one where it felt like it had the least drama, the least complications. There wasn't really a time where you ever questioned the two of them outside of maybe when Kendall showed up on the beach. But even then, it was more like, oh, uh, you know, ABC leaves you on a cliffhanger and then it goes to the actual episode and you're like, yeah, this was never a thing. Like Joe and Serena were always going to be together. Yeah, I they were probably like the least problematic. Like you never like saw like any like confrontation or issues. Like most of the moments we saw from them was like really sweet moments about like how much like they cared about each other and how they were falling in love with, with each other. And even when the Kendall stuff happened, like I feel like they both handled it really well. Like you could tell Joe was just kind of over at that point and Serena was just like just making sure he's okay like she she could tell she had nothing to worry about like there's probably like a little ounce of worry but they seem very secure in their relationship and I think they seem really solid and I could see them lasting yeah and there were other relationships that maybe weren't as secure the entire time uh, I think that the probably the most chaotic relationship of the show that ended an engagement worked out in the end was Kenny and Mari with the two of them starting out together and then it, miscommunication let's see other people Demi comes in you're like okay sorry Mari and then all of a sudden they're back together and now they're engaged it's just it, very uh very chaotic just trying to keep yeah. up with how that played out I'm very interested to see how they like kind of last long term. Uh, don't have a lot of hope in that relationship just because I feel like uh, with the huge age gap, because he's 40, what she's like 25 or 23. Yeah, 15 and, years. Yeah. yeah. And she says like, oh, like I always knew I wanted to get married this young, but um, anyone can say that. And it, I'm just interested to see how that relationship plays out long term. So I, I think that that is like an interesting thing because don't Joe and Serena have a pretty sizable age gap? Isn't that 35 and 23? Uh, he, I think he's just 30. I don't, I don't know if he's no, 35. No, he's, he's 35. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and she's definitely 23. I, I yeah, they do have a big I don't know, but gap. like I kind of agree with you and I don't know why it feels different. Like, you know, it 12 does. and 15 years isn't significant. And I guess yeah. Mari, like, she's definitely more mature than a 25-year-old. Uh, you know, oh, that's something sure. that they had mentioned in that. Um, and Kenny doesn't seem like he's 40, but 
when every time he comes on screen, his bio is just age 40 and then 40. 40. Yeah. Uh, you know, they it let, just they kind of to remind you that he's 40. Yeah. <laughs> they really hammer that home. Uh, so I think that uh, it, for me, the bigger fact of, you know, why I kind of question this is more just that there was that inconsistency in paradise but it, it almost felt like there was a ton of stuff that didn't happen on camera because it just kind of flipped and it was like oh yeah like i'll be with you again mari and oh all of a sudden we're falling in love and now we're engaged it didn't really yeah. feel like there was like it, it felt way too smooth you know of of how yeah. that all played out like no like conflict it just seemed like they easily got back together which right. uh, that obviously did not happen yeah yeah, so I think that that's part of the reason why I question it. Now, the reality of the show is a lot of these relationships and engagements, they don't lead to marriages or they, they don't last long term. I mean, what, three seasons ago, the last time Joe was on, uh, you had Chris and Crystal. They got engaged. Then the following season of Paradise, they got married. And then they get divorced. And now Crystal they has a child with someone I, else. I yeah, they, they got actually married. got married. They got married Wait, on they the really? show. Yeah, remember they had the wedding on the show? Oh, I thought that was someone else, but... No, it was oh, Chris wow. and Crystal. Yeah, so that was a very quick timeline of, you know, things coming <laughs> together. And, you know, it's it's not to say that it's impossible for some of these to last, but yeah. it, it's certainly... They're they're going up against the odds, especially when you, you spend, what, six weeks together on a beach in Mexico. Your entire focus is just trying to get someone to fall in love with you. And then I it's know. like, oh, let's go it's back to the real world. It's pretty much like a free vacation and then if you get to fall in love that's a perk <laughs> yeah 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 and uh you know we saw i guess with becca who at the end of it was kind of like yeah i just kind of came on just for like the exposure and the clout and a vacation to mexico i didn't expect to leave here with <laughs> someone and you know they ended up breaking thomas's heart for a little while they are back together now so that's yes. uh, another one of the success stories um, yeah. Noah and Abigail is another relationship where everything seemed really smooth until it wasn't. But you could always tell that something was missing from them. Yeah. Um, and there was a little bit of drama that came out toward the end of the season. But it seems like they're doing okay and they're together. I know. They seem, they seem really happy together. I've heard from like some of the sources I've seen from people I follow that um, some of the couples that didn't get engaged, um, the producers kind of persuade them to break up, like to end to make it dramatic since they weren't going to get engaged. And then they could do what they wanted after the show. Yeah. Um, I've, he I've heard that rumor. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Like, oh, if you're not going to get engaged, then you got to do something dramatic about it. <laughs> yeah, because I, I feel like it rarely happens where they just leave and they're just like a happy couple that doesn't get engaged yeah so and i just felt like the breakup with thomas and becca seemed so forced like no way she she just looked like she had no emotions and he was like crying his yeah eyes right that was, uh, that was very that strange. just like it just didn't seem like it was like right like it uh -huh. was just like it seemed like a very weird breakup like because she seemed pretty into him Right. up until then so. and then yeah well i know he's like bawling his eyes out he's like just let me go just let me go it was a very like uncomfortable breakup to watch so like i'm glad that they're back together just because yeah. that's such like a weird way for us to see them end so uh but yeah and i've definitely had a lot of times where i feel like i'm surprised by some of the relationships that don't last you know 
at the end of the show, but then a lot of them end up getting back together anyway. And those are even some of the more successful ones that we've, we've seen long-term on the show. So I, I know, um, that Dean, um, from last paradise, he put out like an article because it's been like a number of years now that they were trying to force him to engage to Kaylin. And he was like, nowhere near ready for that. And so then he was like, I'm going to leave the show. And then he came back for her. <laughs> yeah, I saw um, that they wanted Dean to propose to Kaylin when they came back this season. As like, oh, oh you're wow. back on the show. You've been together for two years. Wouldn't it be fun if you got engaged on the show? And they're like, <laughs> no, no, we're not going to do that. So. <laughs> Uh, which I mean, that's not surprising with the uh, with the way that Dean. Yeah, played they out always they always want to like yeah, they're always about the romance. They always want the engagement. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it makes sense. Like that's supposed yeah. to be the end of it. I mean, you saw with Dale and Claire that it's like, oh, Claire, oh you send all the other guys home. It's only been two weeks, but guess what? You're getting engaged. <laughs> and yeah, that yeah, that's uh, you know, that's another drama, another part of this. Um, oh yeah. But. So, you know, as much as there was some drama with couples this season, there was a lot of drama that weren't necessarily couples. You know, the the guy-on-guy, girl-on-girl type thing um, where you had a lot of competition going on and there was a lot of uh, questions about who's there for the right reason, who's kind of gaming it. And I think you had really three instances of people that came onto the show maybe a little better in the eyes of viewers and certainly aren't anymore. So I guess let's start them kind of in chronological order. First one, kind of the lesser known was Chris and Alana. So <laughs> I guess is I, I didn't know Chris because he got yeah. eliminated night one. Nobody remembers who goes home the first night. Um, so for me, I... I like didn't really know what to expect of Chris. Like I remembered Chase and I was like, I hated him. So the fact that him and Chasen were like buddies, well, they, they called him like something stupid. Um, oh, us. smoke, smoke bros. <laughs> yeah. Cause they called everyone smoke shows. Oh, you get some, some smoke shows on the beach. Yeah. Um, not a fan of that. Um, yeah. But with the whole Chris and Alana situation, I, I felt bad for them with the way that played out like is that like a, a normal response because like uh, obviously what chris did to Jusanya was not good but they clearly weren't dating when they showed up they were just like you know followed each other on instagram were interested in each other and oh here's the opportunity really awful the way that he handled things at that party but it wasn't like other situations where it was like he was just trying to get on the show for clout in my opinion yeah, I absolutely agree. I felt like um didn't really care for Chris at all. Like I don't even remember what season he was on, to be honest. I think he was but, he was on a uh, Claire season. Yeah, okay, that's right. And he was kind of irrelevant cuz he went home like the first night, but I felt like um the situation at the party and how he treated Jessenia and he's like doing all that in front of his face. That was definitely respectful, and he deserved to get called out on the measure about them, like, ganging up on all of them and then uh, treating Alana like that, kind of just shutting her down and stuff. I felt like that was a little too much. Like, it was just kind of like, like, I, I didn't like 
all the bullying and stuff like that. I get what they're saying, like they're trying to get their point across, but it was like it was a little too mean. I felt yeah, like. yeah, like I I totally get calling him out for the way he treated Jasenia, but like forcing them to just leave the island. But at that point, yeah. it was like nobody liked them, nobody wanted them to be there, so it, they kind of had to. But they they got you know kind of screwed. At the time, at least it seemed like now they're in a happy relationship, apparently. So it all worked out for them. But I, it did not feel like that was going to happen, given that they barely yeah. knew each other. It's like, we're, well, you're just going to start immediately like, all right, we're going to go in a relationship. We went on one date, but <laughs> we're at it now. So um, it, it did somehow work out for them. Uh, yeah. But the one that definitely was a problem that happened you know, right afterwards was was Brendan and Piper. Oh, yeah. I I felt like that should have happened happened right when they went the first date and it was it that should have happened right off the back. I feel like they dragged it out for way too long and they're sitting there thinking they got away with it and I felt like they were more of the problem because they were so obviously talking beforehand and there's pictures of them hanging out and he got caught in the lie that he lied about hanging out with her and the number of times and and the setting he hung out with her and I felt like that should have been dealt with first, but they dragged it out and let them stay longer. And I felt like that was the bigger issue. Yeah. And well, I think what that came down to was half the guys there were like best friends with Brendan. None of them knew yeah. Chris. None of them cared about Chris. So they're like, oh, yeah, Brendan, he can do his thing. Like, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I was glad that eventually they were like, yeah, we probably should treat Brendan and Piper the same way we treated Chris and Alana, especially because yeah. like Natasha's this there like, okay, you just did that for Jasenia, but Brendan is cool to do it. Like, why aren't you, yeah. you know, forcing him to leave? Um, but yeah, that, that was something that I, I it, it feels like that's becoming more and more of a thing in recent seasons where you have contestants like meeting up, hooking up before the show and then going on the show. I mean, we yeah. had Blake a couple of years ago where he was like, Oh yeah. Every girl that showed up, if he like hooked up with that, uh, <laughs> stagecoach, you know, yep. months before is like, okay, what's going on now? And, uh, I can't remember that. Oh, Jordan. He called people. I was like, how are you? What are you guys doing? Like, how do you all like know each other already? Like, are you all meeting up before the show? Like, what's the point of going on Paradise? Exactly. Uh, yeah. That, that's the one thing that I don't like about how the show has kind of transformed. And I don't I know what it is. It's not like Instagram has changed much from like 2017 to 2021. But uh, for whatever reason, it's just becoming more and more of a thing where people aren't just meeting each other when they show up on the beach. And it, it definitely kind of puts into question the integrity of the show. And I think that that is my biggest issue with it is that you want to believe that all these relationships are genuine and like everyone's forming them, you know, just meeting each other and stuff. And you find out it's not totally the case. Yeah, absolutely. I think for like the past like three or four years, it's been a lot of people like in their like mid 20s. And that's where the problem lies, because obviously these are a lot of people that aren't looking for like engagements right away. They're in their mid 20s. They're trying to have fun. And obviously, oh, they see a girl from the new Bachelor Nation and they're like, oh, I'm going to DM her. And then they all end up going to paradise, trying to get the clout. And that's that's where the issue comes about because everyone's so young. Yeah. And the cloud is a huge thing. Like you quickly realize that you can 
capitalize on being the show. Even if you don't find love in the end, you can get that social media presence. And you can, I mean, Joe was a grocery store clerk. Now his profession (laughs) is podcast host. Just (laughs) three years of The Bachelor. So it is, uh, it's definitely a profitable franchise in ways more than just love. So it makes sense to me. And it's kind of unfortunate because you constantly see that. Even on the regular Bachelor, Bachelorette show, you have contestants show up and you find out a lot of them aren't there for the right reasons or they're at least willing to admit like hey maybe i won't find love but you know i'm gonna get all these other benefits that'll make it worth it anyway oh yeah i definitely agree it's just um i think i realized that last season a bachelor about two years ago how much people like actually talk to each other so much and you realize that this season it, it shows a lot too because i think a lot of these people have been waiting for like the last year to go on the show and so they're like well i'm just gonna dm this person instead of waiting for paradise which i don't think anyone had the thought in front of their mind i'm gonna wait for paradise either <laughs> yeah. uh, no it, it it totally makes sense it's just the way that everything's presented i don't yeah. know if there's a way to get around that i think it's just something oh, no. you're constantly gonna have to deal with and obviously uh, they've been trying to make like put like an older crowd on the show for that reason but even with that i they're still going to get the young people regardless cuz even after they said they were going to do that they still have thrown like mid 20 year olds in the mix so yep yep even with like older bachelors and bachelorettes you still have people that are you know 10 15 years younger than them so um so the so Brendan entered the season was one of the favorites in Bachelor Nation. I'm sure there oh, were a yeah. lot of people that wanted him to be the next Bachelor or you know a Bachelor at some point, uh, just based on his time on Tasha's season. Someone else from Tasha's season that a lot of people felt that way about, maybe even stronger, was Ivan. He was one of my favorites coming in the season. I was very excited to see him again. I really wanted him. I personally wanted him to be the Bachelor. Um, you know, I, I kind of understood why they went with Matt James and took that approach. But had they done yeah. like the normal thing, I would have loved to see him be the Bachelor in that case. But the way things played out for him this season, uh, he certainly has knocked himself down and um, I don't think we're going to be seeing much of Ivan anymore on this show. I, I feel like he just kept digging himself a grave. I loved him. I thought he was the best and you could, when he was on Tasha and Claire season, he was definitely one of the people that was like there for her and there for loved. And you could tell like, that's what he really wants. And even I could tell on the season when the drama happens, but he just like, I feel like he had a lot of opportunities and, and he just messed it all up. Yeah, and he definitely came onto the season like wanting love as well. And like you could tell with some of the other guys like that we had talked about that they, you know, their heads were in different places. But he was he was like constantly bouncing around with different women and like a lot of there were, I think he was one of the few to actually get a friendship rose this season. Like that wasn't really a thing that came out. Like people wanted yeah. him to find love and yeah, ultimately things didn't work out. I don't even know how him and Kendall started. That was just kind of like out of nowhere. This is a thing. They <laughs> didn't even show anything. No, they just I didn't. gave each other a rose and then right? he was just like, I'm sad she's leaving. Like we were connecting and I'm like, how <laughs> i know i didn't know that kendall was even there to like actually be on the beach i thought she was just yeah. there to talk to joe and now all of a sudden <laughs> she's you know there with ivan um so it, it was tough how things played out with him 
But then, of course, with the ending, you you see him and Aaron talking and him saying, I'm not going to try to seal someone's rose. And then next thing you know, yeah. he's off going after Chelsea. And it gets even worse when the two of them going at it. And then at the rose ceremony, him and Wells have that conversation. You found out that he had spent the night with someone who hadn't even shown up on the beach yet, just totally going against the rules of the show. So not a great ending for Ivan. Yeah, I was I I was really upset about that because more like I had such high hopes for him and I was like really expecting him to do well in Paradise because I thought he was so great season seasons. And I know a lot of people that loved him and he seemed like he was a bachelor favorite and seemed like all the girls would like him. But he I think he wasn't doing well and he was kind of self-sabotaging at that point towards the end. And even when he came on the beach, he said he was interested in Jacenia. And then when he found out that other girl was in the hotel room, he's like, oh, that's who I've been waiting for. So yeah, I was right. <laughs> you never said that. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was a tough look for him. So he he has this this drama with Aaron, which that was not good on Ivan's part just straight up lying to people everyone's believing him they're making Aaron look like an idiot and then Chelsea's like no that's not what happened Ivan came to me not the other way around and that's when yeah. things kind of all started to unravel uh, you had mentioned that the, there's drama still going on between Ivan and Aaron all these months later yeah I was um I was on social media before this and I saw Aaron when he was on the live and kind of, he was, was talking to one of the, um, it was on it's, Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Or no, he did an Instagram story or something. And he was talking about with one of the guys from a season, he was visiting him and talking about the situation. He was like, what do you think about people that lie and then cover up their lies? And, and his friend was like, oh, that's on factual because, you know, Aaron's all about the facts. Yeah, big and facts. And then after that, I saw a post that Ivan, he said, oh, I know that I lied and I know what I did, but Aaron is probably the worst person from this season. Not really giving any reason behind it. Um, I think his only reason was for calling people out, which doesn't make someone a bad person in my book but no, i guess in ivan's book i think he's just trying to deflect and make himself look better after which is what he did hate. on the show yeah, as well exactly and he's still doing it it seems like he's like i thought he was going to take responsibility and learn from it but it's not really yeah. taking any responsibility no and that's worse because he could have had opportunities to rehab his image and it sounds like he's just like you said continuing yeah. to dig his own grave uh self-sabotage so yeah, which sucks because I, I really liked him, but it's kind of hard to still root for someone. They don't really do anything to change. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he was definitely one of my you know favorites coming into the season. I probably would have said he was like the biggest catch on the beach, in my opinion, in terms yeah. of like what I would have expected from the, the women that he'd be like the number one choice. And, you know, things didn't work out for him and things really didn't work out in the end. So I'm uh, what surprised me most from this season is how much Aaron grew on me. I thought like when I watched him on the previous season, I thought he was kind of annoying and just just the way he talked and talked about stuff. I always felt like he was he was trying to call people out and I felt like he was doing too much and always stayed in the drama. But then I this season 
I thought he was hilarious. And I, and that whole thing with James at the end, that was literally the best part of the yes. finale. Oh, I know. I, d- I agree with you. I was not a fan of Aaron on Katie's season. I think, yeah, he was just centered in the drama. He was like her right-hand man of like, oh, tell me what's going on. Like, who's lying? Who's telling the truth? I was like, all right. Like, I, I don't really, not necessarily that. It's like a huge knock on him as a person, just as a contestant on the show. And, you know, ultimately he was not someone that I gravitated toward. I had no problem when he was eliminated. I, I was almost surprised that he lasted as long as he did. So coming into the season, he was nowhere near the top of my list of like someone that I was excited to see. But I agree with you. The way everything played out for him was awesome. I thought he was great this season. He really grew on me. Very fun. Very Cali bro. Almost the point where it's a little too much with, you know, the way he talks. Uh, but he's he's a fun down to earth guy. And of course, his friendship with James was one of the better success stories. You put that right up with some of the engagements and the loves like going to paradise. You don't find your person as a you know a soulmate but you find your your best friend and uh, those two are definitely <laughs> yeah i know definitely a great connection also james what all the most impressive run on bachelor in paradise history oh, yes. the fact that he showed up on day one ended you know at the end and never had an actual relationship how he survived <laughs> i have no idea <laughs> but it's <laughs> I he reminds me of like one of those guys. He reminds me of Jordan. How the fact that he's confused, like of everything that's going on. He was like, "Wait, we're supposed to DM other people before the show." I didn't know about <laughs> yeah. that because he's just bouncing yeah. around from girl to girl, and everyone's like already attached in the serious relationship. And he was like, "How is this happening so fast for everyone?" And right. I've already been in like three different relationships at this point. Yeah, and I, I was definitely rooting for him. I, I was happy that uh, Victoria P. got exposed before he could give her a rose and you know, end up getting sent home. And I was glad that he was able to kind of finesse his way into roses. I was rooting for him and Tia. Uh, you know, I've, I talked about it when I did my Bachelorette uh, season recap a couple months ago. Tia's long been one of my favorites on the show i i would have loved if the two of them ended up together and it's kind of unfortunate how it played out because that was kind of late in the process and then anna shows up even later and it was just there was no chance for that to become a thing but you know james still went with that anyway um but yeah i mean in the end he found his his bromate for life so (laughs) they uh yeah him and him and aaron definitely had a lot of success I've actually heard they're roommates now. <laughs> really? Oh yes. wow! I know they both live in you know the San Diego area, so that's yeah. cool. A lot that's of awesome a lot them. of people do live in San Diego area. I'm actually surprised because I went there in May and I was downtown and I actually saw like a bunch of them. I didn't like go really? up and say hi because I I saw Chasen and a few of them and I was just like they were oh, just hanging like, out. They were just hanging out like it was a few of them. It was like that whole trip that um, they went on. It had Elena, Chris, and Jasenia, and that's where, like, they all kind of met. And oh, I didn't see okay. all of them. I just remember seeing Chasen, and I know he was on that trip. But they all love to hang out in San Diego because most, most of them either, like, they still live at the places they live at, and but they all go to California all the time, or all, a lot of them have moved there at this yeah, point. Yeah, well, because Becca's from Minnesota 
Minnesota. She lives in San Diego now. And yeah. now Thomas also lives in San Diego. So it was easier for them to stay together as well for that yeah. reason. Uh, but yeah, that was one thing that I realized is that a lot of them are from, you know, from SD. You ready to go back to SD, bro? Like, let's go. <laughs> Um, and it makes sense the whole Tia breakup in two seconds he was like like, let's just break up right here we don't have to go down to the beach (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah Um, so I guess you know with that it can kind of wrap up some of our our thoughts just on the season but I do want to end with our biggest winners and losers of the season so let's start with biggest winners and if I had to say my biggest overall winner of the season, uh, to me, it's easily Grocer Shore Joe. He, oh, absolutely. He came on as just like a lovable contestant. You know, we all knew about his relationship with Kendall. Everyone's rooting for him. But the thing is, everyone else is there. You know, they're all all dressed up, looking nice, looking cute in their, their bathing suits and whatever. Joe's in like a cutoff sweatshirt and <laughs> uh, like his uh, gym shorts. Like he looks like he's about to be a contestant on Survivor, not Bachelor in Paradise. So right away, it's like, oh, my goodness, Joe, what are you doing? And then, of course, you know, he finds love with Serena. That's awesome. But he also just becomes like a leader on the beach. Like he was the leader of the movement to send Chris home, send Brendan home. Like he was someone that everybody gravitated towards. He was just so easy to root for. And I guess ultimately the one of the big things when you talk about the show or you know the Bachelor franchise as a whole, it's not just about finding love. It's all about that social media clout. He <laughs> oh, became yeah. the first person sent home on night one of his season to hit 1 million followers on Instagram. So that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I love Joe. I loved him on the first time on Bachelor in Paradise and I loved him this time. I don't even remember him on his season, The Bachelorette. He's made that much of a pressure. Yeah. Well, because he be- went home the first night. With, yeah, I think he so- was on Becca's season. And yeah. Okay. I, okay. Yeah. I think. So. Oh, yes, he was. Because I remember them making the comment how they're both on Bachelor in Paradise this season. Um, I thought that was yeah. funny. But uh-huh. um, yeah, I I love Joe. He he's definitely the number one winner in my book as well. And I just found um his journey interesting because you could tell at the beginning he was struggling. He did not mm-hmm. want to be there. It, it's it's definitely hard to be back in the same place where you fell in love with someone before and then trying to fall in love again and still trying to get over that person while you're in that same environment. And I felt like when uh, Serena came about um she kind of like helped helped him get through any everything and I I love their relationship you could tell like I like how silly they are together and how much love they have for each other you could tell like it's a best friend uh relationship as well yeah of course and I I, I agree with that Serena I mean she has to also be considered a big winner she got engaged oh, yes. Riley Marissa Kenny Mari anyone who came out of this with love Aaron someone you mentioned to me he's on my big winner list just because <laughs> like you said he came into the season as someone that we weren't really a fan of and now all of a sudden yeah. he's like one of the more popular guys to go on the show <laughs> so uh, I, I certainly would love it if him and uh, James come back for another season of Paradise next summer <laughs> I would love that yeah I definitely agree. We haven't really talked about Riley and Marissa, and I love them. I loved Riley on Tasha's season. 
I he is one of those guys who has his stuff together. He knows what he's looking for, and he seems just like an all-around great guy. And he came in the same way. And I liked um, what I love about Riley is he call he called Ivan out on his shit, and Ivan mm-hmm. really stuck up for him too, and really like had his back the whole time. And I can only imagine how he felt when he realized he was lying to him as well. Like even though he yeah. was sticking up for him the whole time, and I liked that he said he was disappointed and I, I just loved his relationship with marissa like even their first day it was um kind of <laughs> yeah, weird eating, to watch like weird foods like pink yeah. tongs or cow tongs whatever it was uh, yeah. probably the weirdest first day i've ever seen but right with lance you know. bash just like staring <laughs> yeah. at them the whole time <laughs> yeah it was oh, yeah. very strange for sure i but, so Riley and Marissa, at first, I didn't love them just because I was a huge fan of Connor on Katie's season. I was really rooting for him, so I was disappointed that he kind of got one-upped by that. But once Connor was out of the picture and Riley and Marissa's relationship started to take off, they they quickly became one of the better couples on the beach. And I I was a huge fan of them. I I agree with you. Riley was great on Claire's season. I didn't know Marissa coming into this, but uh, she's... She was definitely a fun person, someone easy to to root for. And I'm glad that her and Riley are together, you know, long term, in theory. I I think she was on Peter's season, right? If I'm correct. Was she on Peter's season? I thought she was on Matt's season just now. On Peter's season. Interesting. Oh, I don't. Yeah. I don't remember her uh, from Peter season. So she was on Peter okay. season. She, 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 must pro- have gone she home probably early. went home very early, though. So yeah. Well, this was she, interesting because they didn't do it last year. You had four seasons of yeah, Bachelor exactly. and Bachelorette show. Yeah, up, because so. I remember when Peter season ended. That's kind of when the whole COVID thing started. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of people from his season have been waiting. So like, and then some people just kind of gave up. They're like. It is yep. what it is because if they would have done it that year, a lot of girls from his season would have went for sure. Mm-hmm. And there were some great girls on his season too. Yeah, good. yeah. There were a few of them, but they were definitely more dominated with the two recent seasons, which is oh, normal yeah, for definitely. the show. Um, so a couple other big winners, kind of a surprising one, someone I did not expect to be a winner coming out of this. And really the reason why he's a winner is because he definitely – changed his image in my mind is thomas i mean i agree someone who i i think he kind of got the short end of the stick on katie's season like yes he was very much a sketchy person i got why the other guys didn't like him but i feel like a lot of that was they were more intimidated by him if than anything else um so i was kind of kind of frustrated with how that played out um that being said, he's still someone who was expected to be a villain coming into the season, and he walked away a hero in some regards. Maybe not necessarily a hero, but he is now with Becca Kufrin, who is like the superstar, like the queen of Bachelor Nation. So <laughs> that alone makes him the biggest winner, or one of the I, biggest winners. I definitely agree with that i was kind of surprised like by how much she kind of grew me i even though on katie season i felt like they were doing too much just to get him out of the house and i it was just weird i like i feel like everyone that goes on the bachelor in paradise like obviously not everyone's gonna win and he's probably like thinking of a situation like of what comes after this because not everyone's gonna win and i felt like i'm 
I doubt you all those guys are thinking about that too. And they're oh, just not going to they're just not going to say it. And yeah. he he feels like he's having a conversation with guys and you know Aaron was the first one. That that was kind of the reasons I wasn't so crazy about Aaron cuz I always felt like with the Thomas thing, he was like up his ass in the drama. Like and I found him so annoying because of that. I just felt like they kind of I they kind well, of mistreated yeah, I mean, Aaron Thomas was, a bit. He would call Thomas his mortal enemy. <laughs> Trey also was part of that. And like all the guys who hated <laughs> Thomas were on the beach when Thomas showed oh, up. Oh, yeah. So they definitely yeah. did a great job of uh, the way they orchestrated that playing out. Oh, yeah. That was definitely very interesting. And then um, his relationship with Becca was quite surprising. I, I Yeah, I did not see that coming in the beginning. So I really didn't think she was going to leave with anyone, to be honest, because mm-hmm. I just felt like all the I didn't think her and Thomas were even going to talk. Um, And then all the guys there, I felt like when like the first night she came there and like Ivan and James and all them and Aaron, I was like, none of these guys like seem right for her. I just mm-hmm. felt like like obviously she's going to hang out with these guys and have fun. I didn't think she was going to fall in love and end up with someone. But I feel like every guy that meets Becca falls in love with her. I don't know what it is. Every guy loves her. Yep, every I, guy she's loves a be- her. She's a, she's a beautiful person, and she's very beautiful. But, yeah, I've, I've noticed. I was like, what is it about her that all these guys are, like, falling at their feet? Like, you could see the reactions when she walks in. They were like, they were like let's go, boys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course, all the women are just freaking out now that, like, yeah. oh, like, she can have anyone here. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess in some some aspects is not surprising that she ends up with someone like Thomas but given her connection to the franchise like that it's Thomas who was like the problematic person of last season oh, is yeah. the one who ends up with her I think that's another kind of oh wow like who saw this coming but it did and that's another reason why yeah Thomas is a winner yeah. and of course and- Becca should be considered a winner as well I mean oh, she yeah. comes on paradise as a bachelorette and she you know it makes it to the end and she ends up finding love surprisingly she didn't necessarily have to to be a winner yeah but the fact that she had that kind of success on the show uh, certainly justifies her coming back in that unique position i know Uh, that um back to becca real quick i heard i heard blake from her season they were talking before the show he was the runner-up on her season yeah he was the runner-up and they started talking again and he said, well, you can go to bar- paradise and do your thing. And then whatever happens, happens. Um, I'll still be here when you come back. And then she ended up falling in love on paradise. And they're they're now just friends because she has Thomas. So, yeah, huh. that's surprising that they're you know friends, though. So, yeah. Dang. Well, uh, a couple. So one other winner that I have, which like it's tough to totally call her a winner because she did not have a lot of success. But I think that Natasha came out of this looking better than anyone else who didn't end up in a relationship just because of, you know, everything that she dealt with, with the Brendan situation. And then she goes on a date with Dr. Joe (laughs) and that didn't work well. Then Ed and that, that didn't work out in the end. So I think it was a frustrating season for her, but just in terms of like her, now, like the way that Bachelor Nation is looking at her, I think for that reason, she to me is a, a winner of this season for someone who, you know, didn't end up winning, you know, based on the the show's, you know, goal. Uh, I agree. Um, they definitely said 
Natasha for success. I could yeah, see oh, her, for sure. I could see her being the Bachelorette someday, just like how just the situation that got played out. And Bachelor loves stories like that where they can take someone's heartbreak and then give him a chance to find love. So if that would be interesting if it happened, I could definitely definitely see her being the Bachelorette. I I certainly can. Um, and I, I think that she has firmly entered her name into the, you know, the, the top of the, the leaderboard in that category, at least at the moment. Um, one final big winner I have for this season, Wells, the bartender turned host <laughs> at the end. To me, he should be the host of Bachelor in Paradise I going agree. forward. Enough with the guest host. Like it was <laughs> fun uh. seeing some of those celebrities, but Wells, he continues to be one of the biggest draws to paradise someone who a former contestant on the show shows up as a bartender and just continues to grow in a greater role this season kind of taught me that there's no reason to really have like a defined host anyway so let him be the bartender let him run the rose ceremonies and he can uh he can be the face of bachelor in paradise moving forward i i totally agree i feel like he should definitely be the host and i love how he um has come on bachelor in paradise and kind of he found love through not even on bachelor in paradise and he now has turned into the bartender um what was the last bartender's name was it jose i think jorge jorge yeah i i love how he just left and now wells took over and i i kind of like remembered the other day that there was there was um a bartender before him it wasn't always Wells. yeah right i know because his first season as bartender was the first season i started watching which i think was season four in 2017 so i've only known wells as a bartender jorge was on the season a little but yeah, and this season he was able to take on that bigger role, leading the rose ceremonies, and then you know being the guest host at the end, which yeah. didn't really mean anything. Like I guess you know Titus Burgess through his tight ass party, David Spade cracked some <laughs> one liners, introduced you know when people walked in, but they didn't really do a whole lot. They were just kind of there just to be there and collect a paycheck on vacation a few days in Mexico. I agree. I thought I will say like on the host, I thought little John was a weird host to have that should have not happened. He didn't really add anything to the show. No, I mean, I don't think any of them really added a ton. Like, I enjoyed David Spade at first. I think he got the most airtime of all the um, guest hosts. But after that, it was just like, okay, what's the point of bringing someone out anymore? So I I hope that next season and beyond, it's just, all right, Wells, this is your show now. This is your beach. You take over. You do everything. I feel like even for Bachelor, I feel like he should be the host even for Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise. He gives me that, like, the way that he deals with situations, like, the way he deals with Ivan and everything. I I think he's great. He's very well-spoken, and I can see him being a great host. Um, he could, I wish, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think he wants it, but I wish he would take over Chris Harrison's role. Well, they announced Jesse Palmer's taking over the role. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I think Wells is very well suited for Paradise. He doesn't necessarily need to leave the beach. Like, I think the beach is his comfort zone. So um, hopefully he can at least have opportunities there to continue in a large role. He should definitely just be the main host. They don't need to add all these celebrity guest hosts for no reason. Yeah, so um, I guess biggest losers now. So 
Brendan and Ivan. I think those are two obvious <laughs> ones. A, yeah, we we covered given. the bases with those. Like those, you, you it's and, pick one or the other. Yeah, and even then, Piper and Brendan broke up because true. Yeah, which I think that makes Brendan the biggest loser, like in general, um, because it because didn't even work out. Yeah, it didn't work because of the situation he put her in, and then all the hate that they were both getting because of that, and. I I don't know Piper that well. I remember her on that season, kind of. I she wasn't really someone I like cared for or paid too much attention to. She was just kind of there, and I don't remember like thinking that fondly of her. I felt like she kind of like she did kind of stir up some drama on that season. Was she part of the Mean Girls? She I felt she was a very very much a Mean Girl. There was some other. Okay. Mean girls, but I mean her like girls. She, but... Yeah, mean her, <laughs> but I felt like she was a mean girl, and I wasn't really yeah. a fan of her because of that. And I said, and I always like want to give people the benefit of doubt because it can be edited a certain way on Bachelor and Bachelorette, and then you could Bachelor in Paradise is kind of their second chance. And just the way she came in, and she didn't even talk to anyone, and she was like Brendan, and they definitely had a plan, and they even said mm-hmm. that on their day, and. I just felt, and Brendan set her up for that as well because you could tell she wasn't unaware of some things as well. And I just feel like Brendan's a fuck boy, and it kind of disappointed me because I I loved him. I I thought he was beautiful, and he seemed like a nice guy. And he is at the bottom of the list. I, oh, for sure. He deserves to be alone. <laughs> He he definitely hurt his image more than anyone else on this show this season. Uh, More than anyone in a a while. Uh, It's certainly a tough, tough look for Brendan being a fan favorite coming in. (laughs) Yeah. Right. But like way worse than Blake. Oh, absolutely. um, So, yeah, of course, yeah, Brendan and then Ivan in his own ways of course was a big loser both you know not finding Still love sad. and of course just <laughs> kind of sabotaging himself yeah and it's that's yeah. when it, it's easier to feel sad about it because it wasn't like he was just there for clout and why things went wrong he it was really he just really wanted though. love he wanted love yeah, and he wanted it he, too much i guess and it and i hate that i felt this way at the end when he started crying and he was just like i just want to be loved and i was like i can see that he's a good guy he just made some bad decisions and he and he's just young and he'll learn and it's like he's definitely he definitely was on Tasia season and i could tell he was there for love and he want he wants someone so bad like he really wants to find the one but he's the situation he puts himself in it's like i can't feel bad for you for that you know no not at all it's very difficult to um and then a couple other losers i still have tammy she (laughs) she so for me when she was on peter's season i really liked her at first and i don't remember what happened but i hated her by the time she went home and i was so excited that she was gone and coming into paradise i liked her at first i liked her relationship with aaron it was like oh tammy might have changed maybe i like her all of a sudden then nope she goes off with thomas and that blows up in her face and she ends up getting broken up with on her birthday and sent home and it was a very very tough ending for her and i think that she has to be considered a big loser just with the way that played out i agree i will say I hated Tammy on Peter's season. Yeah. <laughs> I felt she was always in the drama. Yeah. As she was one of those girls. And 
I, I just wasn't a fan of her, and I was interested to see her come on Bachelor in Paradise, see if she redeemed herself. I loved her at first. I thought she was funny. She came in. She said, we're waxed and we're vaxxed. Like, let's yeah. go. And yeah, I, she's definitely and, a fun character. Like, yeah, that's she's why she's fun. easy to like at first. Yeah, and I, I was like, oh, she's fun. And I was like, maybe we're seeing a different side of her. And she got a boob job, and she kept talking about <laughs> that. Uh-huh. And, and then just like, and I thought her and Aaron were great together like they seem like they seem both fun seem like they both want to have a good time and they're both good looking people and then i thought what she did to aaron just straight up not even having a conversation with him straddling thomas right in front of aaron like that is the one like making sure that aaron could see too (laughs) like she was very much like knew that he was there and she knows she knew how he felt about him and she still yeah, Aaron right wouldn't stop talking of... about it so yeah because Aaron never stops talking about it he always uh, likes to point out the people that are there for the wrong reasons yes he loves to point that out loves doing that of course his mortal enemy <laughs> Thomas yep so yeah. I yeah so I'm I don't feel bad for Tommy uh Tammy whatever her name is see i don't even know her name <laughs> uh-huh. i got mixed up with tommy and tammy um i don't feel bad for her don't really care for her i kind of started to like her but not enough where i feel bad you know no no well because she i mean she ruined her her good will very quickly you know, <laughs> yeah. right away oh, yeah. it's like oh that's why i don't like tammy oh yeah, i remember it, now they, it reminds you why <laughs> yeah yeah um I, I I did see that she uh, tweeted about Aaron unfollowing her and that James oh, also did? did. She was like, yeah, James, Aaron unfollowed me, so James did as well. I'm not even mad. <laughs> I respect it. And just laughing about it. Um, <laughs> so my final big loser, and this one really pains me to say it because she was my biggest winner of Paradise two seasons ago, and that is Demi. And yeah. this season did not play out nearly as well for her as last one did. And not even just like things not working out with Kenny. She last season was like a lovable person. Like everyone was kind of like, Oh, like love this relationship. She has with Christian, even the whole situation with like her being with Derek and then Christian shows up and she starts dating her instead. Like, I don't think that a lot of people are like, wow, Demi, why would you do that? She definitely ended the season in good graces and it ended it well. They got engaged. Obviously it didn't work out because she was back in paradise. And this season she was just a constant villain. Like, you know, the, she made comments about showing up to the beach and just wanting to like wreak havoc and stuff. And, um, it was tough to see her go. Like I wanted to root for her because I became such a huge fan of her, but she certainly was a loser on this season. I agree. I love Demi. The last season she was on Paradise. My brother, he loves her. He yeah. He he thinks she's like so beautiful. He follows her on Instagram. He thinks she's so fun. He was even like she's kind of annoying now. Right. Like, I know. I. And and I will say it's also to the fact I felt like she didn't fit in with this group of people. No, like, definitely did not fit in like she did two seasons ago. Because a lot of the people from that season she knew. Like those were all her friends. And I felt like that was more her crowd. And just the people this season, 
she just didn't clash with them and it looks like she was there to just like wreak havoc you know just have fun not really like she, you could tell she wants love but she's kind of going about in the wrong ways you can't you can't get love by like having sex with people and that's that's really all that she seemed like she had to offer that's really all she was offering anyone so i just felt Ridiculous like she but yeah, yeah, particularly Kenny. She tried Brendan, but that was yeah. That, he was just like <laughs> he was no, no. Uh, you're not worth it. I got Piper coming soon. <laughs> he was like, I'm just gonna play Natasha. I can't play two girls yeah. when I got another girl coming. So uh-huh. that that first date was funny. She was like, she was really wanting Brendan, and then she got she got put down her high horse a little bit. I thought that was kind of funny. Oh, I know, and it, that that was something you could tell is that like the people there, like most of them knew who she was but yeah they they weren't no one cares they weren't people that went through the season with her and it, it is it's always tough for those older you know contestants who hadn't been on the show in a while to come back and it's like everyone oh, yeah. else they just went on the season together they all became best friends and you're just kind of the outsider and uh, it certainly did not play well for a lot of people on the season with Demi you know being part of that I don't think a lot of people um, really loved her there. And it's just not yep. her group of people. Mm-hmm. All right. Any other thoughts on this season of Bachelor in Paradise? Um, yes. So okay. bring let's bring back the first episode and all the people that got eliminated. That was kind of sad about. I will say uh, Kelsey from Peter season. Yeah. I was surprised that she girl. couldn't make it past I, one. I f- I feel like she, I, I feel like she's a fine girl, um, and I'm kind of sad that like nothing really happened with her. I was kind of hoping to see like maybe her last acute, like how like far Tammy lasted. Like I, right. I, I was definitely hoping to see that for her, and she got sent home night one. I feel bad because you know she's definitely someone that just like wants to be loved, kind of like mm-hmm. Ivan. Like she's just definitely looking for love. So that was someone I was kind of sad about. Um, wasn't sad about Victoria. Glad she got sent <laughs> home right away. Both of Hated, them. Uh, yes, I hate her on Peter season. Victoria P, sorry. Victoria P, but then also Queen Victor, Queen uh, Victoria. I totally then... forgot she was there. Yeah, yeah glad she got sent home. Yeah. yeah, she she was she said she was trying to change her image, and um, I feel like she didn't even try to talk to anyone. She was just kind of there in the background the first episode. Yeah. So, adios to those two. Didn't really care, but it was kind of sad for Kelsey that she didn't um get to explore any relationships at all in paradise yeah I, I agree with that i think that her and james had some potential but i was, I was glad that james gave his rose to demi because i yeah love demi uh but like realistically had james kind of been like oh kelsey you were the one who told me about victoria p here's my rose maybe james's instead of walking away on aaron's shoulders he's walking away with kelsey in the end i don't know if that's how it would have played out but i think that there could have been some potential there oh yeah definitely agree it's it's definitely interesting like when you see the cast beforehand i was like oh i feel like this person's gonna do well and then you watch it and it definitely like goes towards another way i feel like when you're in that environment it's definitely different Mm mm-hmm yeah because there's there's people that you just assume they're gonna find love and it's just their person isn't on the beach and it doesn't work out all in all i thought it was a great season um one of my favorite seasons i thought there was a lot of great people a lot of good drama um i heard there was gonna 
be some other people in the season, but I didn't see any of them. I heard that maybe Mike was going to show up. Didn't see him. I heard which Mike um, from Mike. What season was he in? Big Mike. No, he was in what season? He was in Hannah season. It wasn't Big Mike who was there two seasons ago. I think it was like Mike Johnson is his name. Yes, Mike Johnson. Sorry, okay. I didn't know. I don't know anyone to call him Big Mike, but I heard that he was probably going to show up because I I know him and Abigail were like flirting before the show, so I thought he ah. was going to show up, and that because uh-huh. they were like hanging out in New York, taking pictures together, being flirty, so I thought he was going to show up, and I know Clay, he Clay Harbor, uh, he hangs out with a lot of people from like the recent seasons of The Bachelor, so I felt like he was going to show up, and he didn't show up, and I heard rumors that they both were going to show up, and neither of them did. Yeah, they were both on it two seasons ago. Um, I, I mean, I loved Clay because he's a football player, but his <laughs> his time on Paradise did, it it didn't end the way that I would have liked it to, and I don't know if that played a role in him not coming back. But um, I hadn't heard either of those two potentially coming back, so I don't know what happened with that. But I, I think that there were still a lot of contestants that came on, so. And I agree with you. I think it was a very good season. I I really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, certainly looking forward to what happens next summer on the beach in Mexico. Look forward every year. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Up next is The Bachelorette, Michelle's season. Are you excited for that? I don't know. <laughs> I I really liked Michelle. I she's so sweet and she's a teacher. So I know that was they didn't. I will say I heard that they didn't really want Katie. They wanted Michelle, but they were like, okay, well it's not working out with the previous bachelors we had. So let's get two bachelorettes in there. And so they got Katie in first, and I know they really want Michelle. So I I think Michelle's. I it looks like she's gonna have a lot of fun guys in their season, and I'm excited to see how it plays out. I always say I'm not that excited, then I start to get into it, and I'm like, okay, it's better than I thought it would be. Yeah, I think that's normally how it goes for me. Um, my biggest reason why I'm undecided about how much I'm gonna commit to this is I feel like I need an off season with The Bachelor. And just because you have the bachelor, then the bachelorette in paradise, everything going back to back. I didn't really watch most of Matt's season because Tasha's season just wrapped up and there's like a two week break and it just starts right back up again. I just wasn't like I needed time off. You know, I'm a sports fan. Sports leagues have (laughs) off seasons. Bachelor needs an off season. So I I hope that they don't continue doing. I know they used to always take off the fall and now it's like. This is going to be five, six, seven seasons in a row. We just don't get a break. And I think it's it's tough. So as much as I'd be very much good watching Michelle's season, it's tough for me because I don't want to like ruin future seasons because I don't give myself a break. So that's kind of where I'm at with, with her and her season. It's also tough because uh, Dancing with Stars on Monday night, so I put The Bachelor bachelorette on tuesday night and tuesday night is normally when brian and i record podcasts so most of the time i can't even watch it live i have to go back and watch it later so oh man oh yeah i feel that i'll probably still watch it but i'll probably do what i did in hannah b season i waited till like she was like yeah she was five or six episodes in probably like five and then i just kind of watched it and because i felt like i wasn't like ready for that yet i was like oh i don't know if i'm ready to watch another season right now and i kind of caught up late but we'll see it's 
it's next week already. That's it is. Crazy. I know. There's yeah. They gave us one week off. We're right back into it. So we'll see. I'm sure it'll be another great season. A lot of drama. A lot of fun stuff. Uh, certainly interested to see how that plays out. And you know, we continue to see more of those contestants on Paradise next summer. So yeah. All right. Thank you so much for coming on, Julia. I'm glad that we were able to do this. Uh, we're a week later than I would have liked to, but better late <laughs> than never. A uh, yep. lot of fun. So hopefully we can have you back on again to talk The Bachelor and maybe some other stuff. <laughs> uh, certainly great having someone to, to bounce these ideas off of. And I think, uh, you know, you're my number one choice for, for this. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Yeah, I loved being here and talking about The Bachelor. We always talk about it uh, amongst each other, so it was definitely cool to talk about in this setting, and I'll definitely be back if you want to have me. <laughs> All right. Love to hear that. So for my previous and you know current uh, co-host, Brian Wells, and my guest host, Julia Kusan, I'm Corinna Botney. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.